Hello and welcome back to another episode of Failure Peace Theater. I am your amiable co-host Tim and joining me as always is Catherine. And we are here to discuss Mortal Kombat. Cue soundtrack. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to have to put a little something in there um to <laughs> to uh to to signify that that Immortals theme song from the the uh, now Immortal soundtrack. Ironic. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about the new Mortal Kombat 2021's MK reboot. Um, I, I guess, you know, let's let's kick it off just talking a little bit about Mortal Kombat, because um, the year that Mortal Kombat was released, um, at least in arcades, I was like 12, I guess, seventh or eighth grade, maybe 13. And, you know, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I remember the very first time I heard of it and you, um, we were, we had just moved and we were in a new town. There was like a kid across the street that was kind of my age and I would go over and play with him. And I remember he had gone to visit his dad and come back. And he's like, dude, I saw this video game at this arcade where my dad lives. And I was like, yeah, and this was arcades. Right. So I didn't get out much. So we didn't, and we definitely didn't go to arcades very often. The last arcade I'd been in was like an Aladdin's castle. And and the best game they had was like Tron Deadly Discs, you know, it's not, you know, I had home consoles, but, you know, it just didn't have that arcade experience. He's like, I played this game in arcade and you could rip out a dude's spine. Yeah. He, he didn't even remember what the name of the game was because I asked him, I was like, what's that called? And he's like, I don't even know, but it was amazing. <laughs> so that was like the first like encounter with with Mortal Kombat as, as a thing it was just in the ether, you know, just people talking like, whoa there's this game and it's so violent. Um, it, of course it causes a huge stir. It inspired but, you know. one of my, my favorite. I mean, I loved the game, but it inspired one of my favorite and enduring Simpsons bits, which is buy mm. me bone storm or go to hell. Bone storm. Yeah. <clears throat> that was, right. <clears throat> that episode came out in 1995. So we had had a, a, a couple, if not a few mortal combats under our belt. And, uh, that sort of summed up the the media frenzy that surrounded Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, I mean, they got their moment in the sun on The Simpsons, so that means it was a real cultural thing. It means it was real. Um, so it would obviously go on to incredible success, because um, anytime you try to tell somebody don't play a thing, they're immediately going to go play it. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting the home console. Mystery? <laughs> I remember getting the home console version. Mm -hmm. Which I had a Super Nintendo, which means it didn't have blood. It had right. sweat. You uh, had green blood. Punched, you could enable the green punched. ones, right? You could turn on like colors. Yeah, yeah I think you had purple um, and stuff. But yeah, you couldn't. It wouldn't be red because yeah. that would be too violent. You had to be a Sega Genesis kid for that. Um, <laughs> but I remember it was Mortal Monday, right? And uh, and it was expensive. It was one of those super expensive Super Nintendo games, like seventy bucks for Mortal Kombat. Um, but I got it and I played it, you know, played it with you, played it with our dad. Um, I figured out how to do Johnny Cage's nut punch mm -hmm. and uh, proceeded to nut punch everybody in the game because, you know, that was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and then it kind of lay dormant for a while. You know, I, I didn't really play much Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, that's probably my favorite one now. But at the time I was, uh, you know, I was getting ready to go to college and 
had all kinds of other things going on in my life, so I didn't play a ton of video games, but I've I've sort of come to love Mortal Kombat as a franchise. I definitely dipped out in like the PS2 era. I remember playing a couple of them, but didn't really enjoy them. But I mean, it's just been this sort of constant cultural presence now for, I guess, close to 30 years. You know, Mortal Kombat just won't die. And there have been other, you know, fighting game franchises that have come and gone in the meantime, but Mortal Kombat and I guess Street Fighter, which are really the two that kicked it off. Street Fighter 2 was massive. And then everybody was trying to get a piece of the pie. Mortal Kombat came out of that, kicked off its own little universe of, you know, bad fighting games. But it just, it keeps coming back. Um, I bought Mortal Kombat 11, you know, four or five months ago. Um, I just had seen some good stuff about it, so I picked it up, and it's it's really fun. It's it's very technically challenging now. I mean, I'm I'm an old man. Uh, my hands are broken, and and <coughs> I have terrible reflexes, uh, so I can't really play these games anymore. <laughs> um, but they are fun. I just put them on easy, and then you know just do finishing moves and stuff. But it's uh, it's one of those amazing things that has a a property that stayed in the public consciousness for this long is kind of shocking, especially one as, as sort of off the wall as mortal Kombat is. Cause I think we can admit the mortal Kombat is insane. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes, it is insane and wonderful. I mean, that's exactly. Um, I, I like fighting games. I always liked fighting games. Cause I like playing things with other people and, and being silly mm-hmm. I'm not like a competitive person, really. <laughs> no, um, no. Like I'm not good at being competitive, uh, but I do. I do like, you know, the, the fun of, of fighting games, and that's what I liked about Mortal Kombat. Um, I played the first three games, and then, kind of like you, I fell out of it, and I didn't really return to the franchise until some of the, I think, one on either PS3 or PS4. I played. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember anymore. That's when they picked up again um, because they had tried to do the 3D thing for a while. Like, the you know, everybody's trying to, like, figure out how to do a fighting game in three dimensions like Virtua Fighter. Mm -hmm. And eventually they just went like, no, this is a 2D fighting game. We'll make it look 3D, but this it's just two dimensions. It's too difficult to navigate and roll and go around people. It just didn't work for Mortal Kombat. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like, PS3 era... And Xbox, late, you know, mid to late is where I think the series sort of found its feet again. You know, it seemed like they had figured out a good combat system and um, the storytelling. Mortal <laughs> Kombat was originally a game where the story came in the manual. And that's how most games mm-hmm. used yeah. to have their stories told, if I'm being totally fair. If it wasn't a story driven game. You you kind of had to look through documentation sometimes to to learn mm-hmm. like your character profiles. I always loved they had character profiles in the game manuals. Yeah, it was like GI Joe classified files. Didn't Mortal Kombat come with a comic? Um, yes, I think the Super Nintendo version did. I think Pretty there was sure a mini comic that came with it. Um, yeah, I mean they, it was just, it was a game where they they kind of developed the lore as they went, right? Because I I firmly believe the original MK was designed to do one thing, and that was be rad, yeah. right? I mean that like that was on the uh, somewhere on a whiteboard in their office was just like rad. It was, it was just written in big with letters, an extra X, and extra. and they 
they just wanted to do cool things, right? Like, we got what do we got? We got ninjas. We got a dude that looks like Bruce Lee, right? We've got, uh, you know, the the Jean Claude Van Damme guy. You know, it was just they were just picking and choosing from all of these these like you know, not just fighting game stereotypes. genres, like, yeah, there was just all stereotypes. And it was easily recognizable stuff, you know, Sonya was the special forces fighter and, you know, they had the, you know, Kano was kind of like this, this generic mobster bad guy, you know, with a weird laser eye because <laughs> he needed something, right? Like everybody had to have something. It can just be a fighter. It was like so, Jax has got metal arms. <laughs> that's right. And, and so it was just, it was this really crazy, you know, amalgam, this mashup of a bunch of different stuff. And then of course with the ninjas, I mean, everybody knows that. They only had enough system memory on the arcade board to support one model, but they could color swap it. Yeah, without, yeah, without needing to to use a lot more RAM. So you know, you just had the yellow one, the blue one, and then you know the I mean, and that's, green one. And that's totally. I mean, like you expect that in in two D games, like you just you've come to accept that you know pal swaps are are a thing. Um, but in Mortal Kombat, they kind of made it more of a thing. They made it special because they weren't just mm-hmm. different colors. They were different characters. They somehow yeah. made them feel distinct. That was magic. Yeah. I mean, so Mortal <laughs> Kombat, you know, it makes its its big play. Mortal Kombat 2 comes out and is even larger success. That's where they really expand the cast of characters that you can play as. You know, we find out about the outworld and, you know, just they it's a story that they had this base of all this different stuff. And then they just worked, they worked backwards to fill in the gaps and say, okay, well now here's what's going on. Which um, is what a lot of video games and a lot of comic books do. And a lot of other media that started oriented towards children that grew up with those children. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just a fact of comic books that's a fact of video games. They did not start out as anything that was intended to grow and mature and and expand in this way. I don't think Mortal Kombat was ever intended to be anything more than a, than a, a cool kids fighting game. Mm-hmm. No, it, like I said, it was meant to be a rad fighting game. It's all they were trying to do. Um, and uh, so the creators, uh, Ed Boon, John Tobias. You know, they crafted the first three Mortal Kombat games are, are all really good fighting games. But yet at the same time, they built out this universe to support these crazy characters that they were coming up with and sort of give them all a place. And, you know, then in the middle of all that happening, we get the first movie. Right. So we get Mortal Kombat, the film that, that arguably made Paul W.S. Anderson a thing. Right. Like he had done a small film in England prior to that and um, found some success. But Mortal Kombat, he's he's handed that film and he turns it into a, a sensation. Um, and arguably, I, I think, you know, we've had this discussion for sure, but I've heard it amongst others, too. You know, it was the first like successful and surprisingly OK video game movie. Um, you know, they had tried to do some stuff before. I mean, this is around the same, I guess super Mario brothers had been a bit earlier than that. And of course that was just a, just a a disaster of the highest level. It was terrible. I don't even understand why it happened. Um, if you watch it now and just kind of 
don't worry oh, about terrible. it supposing to be a Super oh, Mario Brother movie. I've watched I, it. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I, I can get through it. I, I don't think it's good. I like John Leguizamo in it. I mean, Bob Hoskins is It feels is like fun. a fever dream. It feels like... Yeah, it makes no sense, no <laughs> doubt. Um, this doesn't feel real. <laughs> yeah, so that came out in, in 93, and then in 95, Mortal Kombat hits. Mortal- and this is arguably, it's timed perfectly. It's at yeah. the height of Mortal Kombat's popularity yeah. as, as a cultural influence. And it was cool. And the, <laughs> and it was good. Uh, it was a good it's a movie. Cool it was, movie. <laughs> it was not great, right? And it. it I, I thought say it, it holds was great. Okay. I was younger and At more impressionable time, yeah. than maybe you were. Um, I have just the fondest of memories of the Mortal Kombat movie. I watch it when I'm sick, like when I don't feel good. I will put on <laughs> Mortal Kombat and watch that because it makes me feel better. Um, I know it's not a great movie deep down. But it's just, it's kind of like Ghost Rider. You just can't convince me it's not a great movie. I just, I don't right. know how to stop loving it so much. Right. Um, I but, Arguably, I love right. it more than I love the first game, which is kind yeah. of remarkable. Yeah, I would, I would say that in terms of like Mortal Kombat media, I think the first film ranks higher than the first game for me. I have a lot of, you know, hands-on nostalgia with it, which is fun. But it was also just impossible as hell. And I, I think I only beat it maybe twice. Again, I'm not very good at these kind of technically demanding fighting games, um, but you know it, it was it was it was right place, right time. Made it for eighteen million, twenty million, something like that, and it makes one hundred and twenty-two million, which at, in nineteen ninety-five dollars, that's that's a lot of money. And they they certainly sort of capitalized on it. They did the quickie sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which was just awful, you know kept some of the original cast um but but it was just a it's it's a it is an artifact now of how not to do special effects yeah. <laughs> and visual effects like visual effects specifically like it is just not good uh, i leaned way more into the the characters which was fun you know we got to see like the robo ninjas and and all that kind of weird stuff but it just was not was not good but the first mortal kombat movie um was was solid right it was a solid film i think looking back on it now it's a little slight it feels like i want a little bit more meat on those bones uh not to use a gross like mortal Kombat jib pun but you know it feels like there's just more there's room to do more and but really the thing that left its its impression on me the thing that i was doing way after i had seen and cared about the film was listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm um, I, I can say without reservation that that soundtrack introduced me to, you know, industrial music. Um, even though I mean, I'd, I'd heard Nine Inch Nails, but I didn't listen to a lot of Nine Inch Nails at the time. Um, but like industrial music, definitely house, you know, Orbital was on that soundtrack. The mm-hmm. Immortals, of course, uh, KMFDM, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was good soundtrack. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say, I think The Crow is the greatest <laughs> film soundtrack of all time like I, I just think it's the best amalgamation of music and i loved that one but i listened to the mortal Kombat soundtrack all the time i'm all a bigger fan time. of the soundtrack of the game uh which <laughs> we had on cassette and then i purchased on compact disc and i still yeah. own um mm-hmm. just if you've never listened to it you, sh- you should i mean i know you have but oh uh, yeah <clears throat> 
I just the lyrics alone are worth it. You know, it's great workout music if you don't mind being a little cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's high energy, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, I mean, and there, there were several just... times during this Mortal Kombat where I was singing the songs from that album. Yes, this movie has segment. a couple of very specific call callbacks to uh to that specific Mortal Kombat the album um soundtrack, which I, I like that they included that. I think there's a there's a lot of stuff in this movie that if you are a hardcore Mortal Kombat person, there's a lot here for you uh, intentionally. Uh, and I guess that that really, you know, so so Mortal Kombat has been a, a sort of cultural presence in our lives for a long time. And I am oddly and so, in some ways inexplicably thrilled by the Mortal Kombat universe and characters. Like I, I feel genuine affection and I cannot explain why for characters like Raiden <laughs> and Scorpion. Like I love them, even though, you know, again, they were just these, these little pixely creations made to, to sort of like flip around on a screen and then, you know, burn somebody alive. Like it's, it's inexplicable that I like these characters as much as I do. And so I, as we talk about this film, I'm, I'm probably going to need to acknowledge the fact that I'm, I'm just weirdly biased. And I, again, I don't know what from, I, I guess it's just that perfect nostalgic moment in my life. You know, that 14, 15, 16 year old period that they say is so crucial for the development of so many aspects of your tastes, right? Like that's the music you're going to love for the rest of your life. That's, you know, the stuff that hits you at that time. That's going to just stick. And Mortal Kombat's in that mix. Uh, as much as as I might not like to admit it as a grown man, for but. me it was it was the movie. I loved the game, but I was mm-hmm. I was really young and I wasn't very good at it. I mean, it took me a long time to develop any sort of ability to play the game, yeah. other than to like help you practice matches. Like we did that <laughs> a lot, where it's like you hold the controller and and do something, but just just stand sure. there. Um, so for me, it, it wasn't the game. It was the movie. <clears throat> that was what I connected with. And that was what was the most enduring in my memory. And that's probably why a Mortal Kombat movie excites me way more than a Mortal Kombat game does at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I I think these characters, even though they were created as these artifice, these these artifices, these stereotypes, I think that actually makes them work better on film because they originate from film, right? This was one of those quite literally early attempts to digitize a stereotype that you've seen in a movie and make it work in a video game, right? Because the original Mortal Kombat, for those of you who may not know, I I don't know if, if we'd have any listeners that wouldn't be aware. It was the first game that used what we would now call digitally rotoscoped characters. Well, not, not the first, but one of the first to do it like this. And so they actually filmed all these people doing these moves, making these, you know, you know, these, these you know, flips and jumps. They filmed people doing it and then they just rotoscoped those animations into the game. And that's what you played as. So it gave it this extremely realistic look for the time. Right. Whereas Street Fighter was very cartoony and hand drawn animations. This was seemingly real. And so. The, that reality was influenced by those things like film, right? They wanted it to look, I mean, like Liu Kang, the, the sort of hero character of the Mortal Kombat universe, he's just Bruce Lee. Like, that's all he is. 
Uh, he's Bruce Lee from uh, Enter the Dragon. And so I think these characters are oddly suited for film. I think they fit in 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 movies. And and I think this this movie that we're going to talk about today uh, absolutely confirms that. Uh, so again, we're not going to spend too much time on the older uh, Mortal Kombat stuff. I'm sure we'll reference it as we go, but we are going to delve into heavy spoilers for Mortal Kombat, which just came out. It is streaming on HBO Max if you want to watch it at home, and it is available to watch in local theaters if you have local theaters that are open. Don't go to local good. theaters. <laughs> if they're following good protocols and, and you're vaccinated, perhaps, but uh, that's up to you, of course. But you can actually stream this on HBO Max right now. Just go do, do a seven day trial that's or whatever. Uh, that's what I did. And and I don't regret it. I've watched it three times this weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> Made for itself already. You know, yeah, it's just definitely, definitely. Uh, it's 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 a good way to watch it. Uh, HBO Max is is excellent. So. Uh, this movie uh, is directed by an Australian director, a first time film director named uh, director named Simon McCoy. Um, McCoy has done a, a vast number of commercials. So in that way, it, it's, it's kind of odd history repeating itself. You know, Anderson really was kind of a novice director at the time. He'd done an indie film, but not much else. McCoy, he's done a lot of high profile commercials for like you know, big video game brands like Call of Duty, but no commercial features. And I think you can tell a little bit, you know, if we want to spoil a, a little bit of the technical discussion, there are sort of technical issues with this film. I don't think it's edited super well. Um, it's competent. Don't get me wrong. It's it's fine. But there are some weird edits and and strange things that happen that feel just kind of sloppy. It sometimes um, felt to me like there were maybe they didn't use the best take of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? a lot just, of that. It felt like, oh, this is the angle you wanted. This was the lighting you wanted. This was this was everything else you wanted. But it was just not the way that the actor should have said that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess we'll we'll get into the specifics of that. But um, you know, so if if you want to check out Mortal Kombat, we I think it's safe to say we encourage you to do so. Uh, I think you will. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where if you like Mortal Kombat, you're going to like this Mortal Kombat. Like, that's really what it is. But if you don't know anything about Mortal Kombat, but just kind of enjoy a decent action movie that's got some some interesting stuff and maybe some, you know, some gore effects that you haven't seen before, uh, then this is also, you know, pretty much pretty much up your alley. This might be good for you. But uh, so we're going to get into to heavy spoilers here and we're going to talk through the film a little bit at a time and, and kind of see what we think. Um, but first impressions, right? So I asked you to watch this. We had another film planned uh, for our discussion this week uh, that we'll probably just push to next week now. But I watched this and then immediately contacted you and was like, please watch this and, and let me know what you think. So so first impressions just rolling off the tongue. What did you think of Mortal Kombat 2021? I did with this movie what I do with all movies, which is I didn't read anything about it. I didn't look at anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at any yeah, reviews. I knew nothing. Yeah. I didn't even know who was in this movie. So I was very excited when I saw Hiroyuki Sonata's face. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Love Opening him. with Hiroyuki Sonata is, Just is never a bad choice. Put him in all the movies. Just every movie. Put him in it and let him just be awesome. Because, wow. Um, just right out of the gate, you couldn't have picked a, a, 
a better person to be to be in it. I was so excited. Um, and that opening. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Uh, so the, the film actually uh, the film actually opens on 500 years in the past yeah. right it's uh, 1600s japan and and uh you know those of you who know the mortal Kombat lore or, or maybe those who don't you know this this tournament of champions has been going on for thousands of years right and so the core story of mortal Kombat, right because good fighting games at least have a bare bones justification for why these fights are taking place you know, Street Fighter is a street tournament from people all around the world trying to prove that their country is the best. Is the right? best. Like, you want to be in the best. Uh, that's right. And, and in Mortal Kombat, even even the original Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Mortal Kombat was a tournament mm-hmm. wherein the protectors of the Earth realm, basically all the humans from Earth, not all, but most are there to compete in a some kind of interdimensional tournament where if we lose the earth is going to be consumed by these more violent realms and and you know we're going to lose our our humanity lose our universe whatever right but it's it's like a high stakes tournament and that's the first one that was kind of a, an idea that was in the background and then by the time the second game rolled around they had sort of fully fleshed out this idea of the outworld and and they're trying to like underhandedly, you know, win the tournament so that they can take over Earth. And then, of course, the film introduced the concept. And maybe I don't think this was in Mortal Kombat 2, but I could be wrong again. I, I love Mortal Kombat, but I am not a deep Mortal Kombat lore guy. Right? I don't I'm know not, that like reading is. through wiki pages or anything. I don't know that there are a lot of those people. I mean, there's probably a few. But I think, I, I think yeah. their numbers are fairly limited. You know who <laughs> I don't you know, are, man. Mortal Kombat I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they're out there. But so, so the the film focuses on the fact that this is the tenth tournament, and if humans win, lose, they've lost nine. If they lose a tenth, then you know that's it. It's very Game bad. Over, literally. Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. So again, just just the stakes are very clear. So we open, you know, 600 years ago, 500 years ago on, uh, you know, Hiroyuki Sonata's, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata's character, uh, Hanzo Hayashi, or he is Hayashi. I don't remember exactly. Um, and so this is the, the visual retelling of the origin story of two of the probably most popular characters in Mortal Kombat lore. And that is Scorpion and Sub-Zero, the, the color swapped ninjas from the very first game. Uh, So Sub-Zero has ice powers. Scorpion has fire powers. And you know this because Sub-Zero is blue and because Scorpion (laughs) is yellow. (laughs) He is, he is yellow, which means he's hot. Um, And he is hot. no Mm -hmm. doubt. So he is, is Hanzo Hasashi who is a, a Japanese assassin. You can see he's living in a, a re- remote sort of mountain complex surrounded by guards. He's a ninja clan. Right. Was it Shira Ryu? Uh, Shira Ryu. Yeah. yeah. And basically his, his combat is attacked by uh, a member of the Lin Kuei, who are a rival Chinese clan that uh, they've been sparring back and forth. Um, his family is killed or most of his family is killed by uh, this member of the Lin Kuei, Bi Han. 
who is the original Sub-Zero. So one of the things I do know, because I do care for these characters, again, stupid, but I do, uh, Sub-Zero, there have been multiple Sub-Zeros. This is the original Sub-Zero, who is a, a villain in the story pretty much all the time. Uh, there is a later Sub-Zero, who is his brother, who is is much more heroic. They've kind of transitioned him into a heroic figure. Well, they had to because everybody loves him. Because everybody loves him, exactly. Like this is quite literally, <laughs> this is quite literally a franchise responding to its fans being like, "But Sub Zero's great." I'd I love don't want him to be a bad guy. I want him <laughs> to be a good guy because I will have ice powers too. That's right. And but we're seeing the the development of that conflict here. And hands down, no question asked, the opening of this film works flawlessly. I, I like this opening ten minutes is awesome. Like it's just great. From top to bottom, it's acted super well. The The fight choreography is good. We get to see him decide to use the kunai uh, blade, you know, that becomes his kind of signature weapon. Uh, I guess he probably not for the first time, but we're seeing him kind of use it with the attached rope so that, you know, he's just, using it to throw around. It's just it's I awesome. He's such, spearing people with it. It's I have such great. a crush on Hiroyuki Sonata. I've had a crush on him since Sunshine yeah, because he's same. so wonderful and he's just ace in the face and i just love him and then he starts absolutely just beating ass and it's so cool it's so cool like it's good i i i expected the movie to be violent but the movie paul w sanderson's movie was not that violent no no it was very i mean it was, was it p i was pretty sure it was pg-13 um I think it would. Nah, no, no, I, I don't think it might not have been able to be. I mean, there was violence in it. Yeah. At the time, but it's it pales in comparison to this. But I mean, the video game series has also increased in violence tremendously. Um, like the video game series now is, is kind of ridiculous in how <laughs> violent it is. Uh, you know, bones shattering, cartoonish, you know, ripping people's of, head off of yeah. super gore. It's it's over the top. Yeah, it um, is. It is through the roof. Yeah. The original Mortal Kombat was just PG-13. So I, like so, I yeah. said, I don't remember there being anything in it. And I remember them going for a rating that would get kids in the theater because kids were the ones who wanted to see those. Mortal those Kombat. were the Mortal Kombat fans. Yeah, there definitely weren't any over eight. When that game came out, there were definitely over 18s who were interested. Of course there were, of course. But like the vast majority of people who loved Mortal Kombat were my age and I was like 15, you know. So so, yeah, PG-13 was the the you know rating that was going to get you the most butts and seats. This movie leans into its R real hard. Um, this is not a trying to be a children's movie. I would love to watch this with my kids because I think they would enjoy it because it's just goofy, fun action stuff. But it is far too violent. I, I like I cannot as a parent justify showing my children a guy get his arms frozen off. <laughs> um, Or when he gets his revenge later by slapping a man's skull with his giant metal arms. <laughs> Yeah, oh, uh, and, and just watching him disintegrate into uh, into juices. So, but I mean, the opening of this movie, I, I cannot overstate how great it is. If anything, the problem is, is that this opening is so good that in a lot of ways, I don't know if the rest of the movie lives up to it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is so good 
And it's so perfect for establishing these two incredibly important characters and they why they the hate stars. each other. <laughs> What's that? Then they aren't the stars. And that's kind of They tragic. aren't, right? But I kind of want it to be. Um, and I don't say that as a bad thing. Like, it's 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 good. Like, the movie needs this kick in the pants to get it going. And I like that it is, it's building up these rivalries. Because that's the other part of Mortal Kombat that I think the games figured out very quickly is that yeah, as you're doing, I mean, cause Mortal Kombat's nearly a yearly franchise now, right? I mean, they're like every year or two, they've got a new one coming out and they build these character rivalries where this character is hating this character right now. And you know, it's almost like wrestling, right? Where they <laughs> build these storylines where it's like, these are the do that these are the three guys that hate each other. And then over the course of the story for the game, you know, you get to see how that plays out, you know, who wins, who doesn't, who, you know, moves along. It's, it's something that the games have done for a long time. And this movie kind of starts building those rivalries right away, right. And saying like, Hey, here's why these people hate each other, why they're fighting so hard. And it's, it's just, it's smart. It's a good distillation of what mortal Kombat the video games have tried to do over the years. And, and again, it's super well acted. I think the fight choreography in this section is really cool. Probably some stuff that you, even if you love action movies and, and, you know, martial arts movies of all kinds, like we do, um, it, it's just stuff that is going to be cool for you to watch. Uh, and it does have a bit of emotional heft, right? As, as Hanzo, you know, sort of, he sees his family frozen, right? Which is a super cool effect. Like the moment I saw it, I was like, damn, they, they spent money on that his frozen family like that is a brilliant looking prop um you know there it's basically his wife and son young son you know sort of clutching each other and and sub-zero has shoved a frozen spike through them and frozen their whole bodies and it it was it was i I mean as a person who just yeah it's horrible no it's horrible but what looking at it i was like dang dude like you could have done some chintzy cg thing or just shown a block Right. You should have showed a block of ice and just insinuated that somebody was inside. But it was a real it was just really nicely done. It was a good yeah. special effect. So um, everything if, about it looked nice, like just the entire sequence was really well shot and the effects were nice and the fight choreography was nice. So good. Yeah. I mean, they uh, the day before this came out, they released or not the day, but like a couple days before they released this like six minutes of this, not the entire sequence, but like six minutes of it online. I think it was everything up until is like right after he picks up the the kunai and then, then uses it to kill you guys. It was like right up to that point. And then it stopped. And I was like, OK, all right, that looks really good. And now and then I saw the whole scene. I was like, dang, that's really good. And that was smart, right? Because like this is unequivocally good. Like this is just a great section. Um, but you know, so so Bihan is able to kill Hanzo. Uh, Hanzo had a daughter that was hidden, so the bloodline lives on, which becomes a kind of important story for the what sort important piece of the story they're telling in this. But but then, like Raiden shows up. And I gotta admit, man, I I squealed a little. I was just so excited. I mean, I just I love. I was really Raiden. excited for it not to be, you know who, from the other <laughs> movies. Well, Christopher Lambert. I mean, him squinting because he can't see anything. Um, what I thought was, and I think part of it was what I thought was going to happen was that like 
a servant or a villager was going to come and find the baby. Right. Like I thought that that was where we were going. Right. And so the baby's going to like, nobody's going to know that it's a Hanzo baby or anything like that. Hanzo, Hanzo baby. Uh, but like, it's Raiden that takes the baby and saves it. And I was like, that's awesome. That is super cool. Um, and we have to mention that Raiden is played by uh, Tadanobu Asano, Asano. Who is, who is hot. He's, he <laughs> looks great. All the men great. in this movie are just ridiculously hot. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was distracted by all these wonderful actors. No, it, it was it was incredible. I, uh, you know, I, I guess if you don't know who that is, he's probably best known at this point for uh, playing um, one of the Warriors three in the Thor movies. Uh, he plays Hogan in in the the Thor movies. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> and he's perfect casting as Raiden. Yeah, right, like. If there's anything that's goofy, well, there's a lot of things goofy about the original Mortal Kombat movie, but if there's anything that's super goofy, it's that Christopher Lambert, this Frenchman, <laughs> is playing the, the the Lord of Thunder, who's supposed to be this this deity that rules over our world. I mean, he's, he's I guess he doesn't have like a, he doesn't have a, a race or an ethnicity. I, I guess he doesn't have to. You couldn't really tell in the original games, you know, what his uh you know uh, country of origin might be but I, I think this plays a lot better he's yeah he's from shinto um, yeah you know it's 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 really good and he he does a great job as raiden, As- raiden doesn't is, have a ton to do here but no he's, he's um good. asano is an amazing actor and i I, like I said, I just I love everyone in this movie and everybody is in it. Like I've, I'm kind of blown away by some of the actors that showed up for this movie. Um, and he was one uh, that kind of surprised me. And I'm always happy when I see him because my first my introduction to him was actually Ichi the Killer. That was the first movie I saw yeah. him in. Yeah, um, like he's he's Ichi the Killer, right? He, he, like, well, he played Kakihara, which who was the, the right. hot. He wasn't Ichi, but sadomasochist, the blonde guy from the cover who had the messed up face, just mm-hmm. ah, such a cool character, and just he brings I don't know he brings something extra to any movie that he's in. I like him a lot. And I, I I've got to you know we can mention here. I'm sure it'll come up again later as we kind of you know go through the rest of the film. But the production design on this is for the most part quite good. Um, this is a movie that was not, did not have an incredible budget. It was about 60 million, I think. Um, which, you know, it's, it's not chump change. That's, that's a lot, but for a movie that has this many special effects going on and there are a lot, it's, it's pretty low. Um, so I think there are some issues in terms of its overall sort of, you know, use of its budget. I, I think, you know, there are certainly some things they could have done. Uh, they could have done differently, but I, they they get a lot of mileage out of what they did with this movie. Um, yeah, budgets around around fifty five million looks like. So I think this movie this doesn't look like a fifty million dollar movie, right? Like this looks way better than a fifty million dollar movie most of the time, um, and that's that's really cool because I think Mortal Kombat is a cool universe like it's interesting the the love and sort of care that netherrealm crafts into the sort of aesthetics of the mortal Kombat universe most of it's backgrounded i mean most of the time you're just punching things but the character designs the the 
worlds that they build and then have to communicate inside these relatively small stages. It's actually pretty neat stuff. It's well considered. And and I think this movie does a good job of kind of bringing that into the cinematic language, uh, which is really cool. So after our our intro, after Hanzo uh, dies and then is sort of whisked away in flame to somewhere, uh, his daughter is saved by Raiden. And then, you know, we get a, a title card, which reinforces the, the same basic concept, basic setup as the original Mortal Kombat movie. We're on the verge of, uh, it says, catastrophe, because if we lose one more of these Mortal Kombat tournaments, the Savage Realm will invade. And uh, only, what is it, the blood of Hanzo Hisashi will unite all of the, the fighters, you know, something like that. So here's the other choice that this movie makes that I was not expecting, but I'm kind of jazzed about. Um, if if you still haven't watched it yet, and, and you're sort of you know coming to this and just curious about our discussion of it, this movie does not contain the Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah. Uh, so if you are expecting a similar treatment to the film, where it's like we have our little opening introductions of all the characters, and then you know Mortal Kombat begins. Right. <laughs> this is not that there are no. tons of fights, but this is all a precursor. Like this the, is more this, like a superhero origin story a little bit. Yeah. Like it's, it's really that outwards all, uh, you know, in, in all of mortal Kombat stuff, like the outworld is trying to interfere with the tournament, basically to rig it so that they know they're going to win. Cause they're bad guys. Cause they're bad. Right. And, and you know, here it's, it's still led by Shang Tsung. Um, was awesome. He's also <laughs> very, very good. Uh, what is it? It's uh, Chin Han playing him, who is yeah. is awesome. You know, I, most people will probably know him from uh, Lao. He was uh, Lao in The Dark Knight, the guy that he goes to China mm-hmm. to, to, you know, steal out of the building. And that film's he was in probably Soldier. best action sequence. Uh, what's that? Uh, that's right. Winter yes, Soldier, that's right. He was he's in Councilman Contagion, Yin. And he's a really good actor. He is. He's, and that's the thing that I don't know how they got. That's what I mean, I'm like, saying. How do I'm all just, these people show up for this movie? <laughs> I'm. I mean, like Hiroyuki Sonata at this point is. is he's oh. a veteran, successful Japanese actor in he's Hollywood. In legitimately good movies. <laughs> and and they got him to show up and play Scorpion. I mean, how does that even happen? I just don't understand. I don't get it. Um. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me why. I mean, he he could do anything. He could go and make any movie he wants and he's showing up to play Scorpion. I mean, I'm sure they paid him well. I hope they did. But uh, so I guess we also need to mention that Bihan is played uh, by. Um, oh, gosh, uh, Joe Taslam. And uh, he was in the raid movies. Right. So he is like an incredible judo uh martial artist like this dude is is top notch the raid movies are awesome and he is awesome in them and i I, again like the cast in this movie they got really really good people like way better people than you would think a a mortal Kombat reboot would be able to get and that's that in and of itself is exciting uh so great cast off to a great start then we get introduced to our, our real main character, right? If, if we have one, I mean, the movie needs a main character. The games don't have a sort of central character anymore. It was Liu Kang for a long time, but they've kind of moved past him and, 
you know, there, it's just a rotating sort of seat of, of important characters to the universe, but films don't really work that way. Uh, although this gets kind of close to being an ensemble, I guess it's a little bit, but our, our real main character is a young man named Cole. And so, um, Cole young, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Cole is a fighter, a sort of failing or failed MMA fighter who now gets called in just to be a punching bag, basically, right? Like he's the guy you call in to, to lose, not necessarily to throw the fight, but, but you just know that he's not going to be the guy to win, I guess. And, and so, you know, we, we kind of get that quick introduction to him um, he's getting his arm wrapped in this, this like, you know, sort of yellow tape, which ends up being important later for what happens. But, and then we get to watch a legitimate MMA fight, which is, it was actually shot pretty well, I thought. And, uh, you know, we see these two guys go at it, Cole loses. Uh, and then of course somebody's watching from the crowd and that ends up being Jax played by, uh, Mecca Brooks. And, I don't know what it is about Sonya Blade and Jax, but it seems like because the original film used them as a pretty hefty entry point to the but movie as well. Don't don't they have? I mean, it, that's in the game universe too, isn't it? That they're from the same outfit. Like yes, yeah, they've always been partners. Yes, yeah. they but always it, end it up seems sticking like, them together narratively, and right. I I could do with maybe Jax without Sonya. You know, we'll get to her. I guess. Yeah, um, Sonia gets gets kind of a short, short shrift in this movie. Um, I mean, she's she's a big, important character, but I don't know why they gave her the jobs in the movie that they did. Um, but yeah, we can we can get to her. But basically, Jax is trying to hunt him down because they're looking for people with a particular um, mark on their bodies. So. What this movie has decided to do, which is new as far as I know, I, this I don't think this is in any of the games because it kind of doesn't matter. But the the dragon head symbol that is now synonymous with yeah. the Mortal Kombat, you know, sort of franchise. In this one, they stylize that or they they've set that up as being a mark that means you're one of the champions of Earthrealm, right? Like if you have that mark, it, for most people, you get it because you killed a person who had it right so it's kind of that you know you beat them so now you take their place as champion <laughs> yeah, it's like and, transferable on death yeah you know it's it's kind of like an interesting take on that and i again if that's been in the franchise before i i'm unaware of it and that's that's okay but that's how the movie has chosen to adhere but for cole he's had this mark his whole life he's always thought of it just as a birth uh, a birthmark and he doesn't know why of course we know why because we're shown in the opening sequence that hanzo has the same mark um and um that's been transferred to cole so cole is of hanzo's bloodline even if he doesn't know it and so Jax and sony are trying to get these people together uh because they and and here was my confusion right so Cole's, you know, loses the fight he goes out with his family for burgers or whatever and then he just gets randomly attacked by you know, Bihan, who is now fully Sub-Zero, right? He's in the ninja outfit, looks cool. He's using ice powers. He's, you know, it starts off making things snow and then he's like hurling ice, you know, at people down streets and stuff. It's very cool. 
Did you see that dude outside the cafe that got hit by like the huge piece of ice and he just like yeah just got nailed? Uh, there's a lot of decent stunt work in this, like very decent stunt work, and and it looks good. Um, but so Cole is sort of forced into uh, Sonya's orbit by Jax, who says, "Hey, I'm going to stay back and fight Sub Zero. You go find Sonya. You know she needs you." And it turns um, out that made a that may have been a mistake. For <laughs> it was a little bit of a mistake. Uh, you know, most people, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the scene where Jax fights Sub-Zero in, in the sort of early stages of the film. And this is what and I think this is what happened in, in the games. I'm pretty sure that that is canonical, if we want to call it that, that Sub-Zero freezes Jax's arms off. Um, they get, I can't remember, though. That could be it was wrong. it was a spectacle in the film. Yes, um, they fight and it's a good fight. I mean, Jax, you know, holds his own for a little bit, but then Sub-Zero freezes his arms and then shatters them. Uh, so he's left armless. And and for a while, we think he's dead. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're meant movie, to think he's dead. <laughs> the movie goes out of its way, I think, to convince us that that man has died. Yes. Uh, um, he had his arms ripped off and then he was thrown into some concrete <laughs> yes and, and his head face bounced first. off that concrete uh, his his face <laughs> left an indelible mark in that concrete as he bounced off that wall um which i guess let's go ahead and talk about tone right because one of the things that makes the original mortal Kombat film so fun is that it is capable of maintaining a sort of light i'm not gonna i, I shouldn't say lighthearted because it's not i mean it's it's a film about fighting people to the death it's literally the name of the film um but it's that it never takes itself too seriously okay like that's what it that's why the original mortal Kombat worked it knows the premise is dumb it knows it but it's just leaning into it in just the right way and being like hey you know, it's, it's like that friend that takes you to see a movie that he's already seen or she's already seen. And and the whole time they're just ribbing you in the side and like, ah, yeah, right. <laughs> and it's and it's like, but it's the filmmakers doing that all the yeah. time. Just be like, you get it. Like, you just shattered his arms with ice. Isn't that cool? Um, sure is. <laughs> and it's and you kind of just nod your head and go, yeah. It, it actually was kind of cool. Um, you know, here I think some of McCoy's inexperience with filming action comes in. They're doing all the things you want them to do with modern action, right? It's undercranked, so everything looks a little faster. Um, it's obviously been thoughtfully choreographed. There's good martial arts stunt people doing this work. But it's not always edited the cleanest right it's it's sequence editing is fine right when they're in the middle of a you know punch sequence and they're blocking and dodging that's cool but then when there's a hard cut to like another sequence they don't always line up quite right you know eye lines will be off or the camera will have shifted just a little too far for it to feel comfortable like that was just happening and now this is happening it's it's very interesting, right? It's it's not quite like the big structural editing pieces of the film. Those are all fine. Like the overall sequence of scenes is fine. Like this movie's arranged in a very sort of traditional, straightforward, linear point A, point B, point C kind of structure. 
But when you get down to the little bits, right, like the the, the small editing, right, that's where things kind of break down. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's being done on purpose. I think it's just either they didn't shoot enough, which is possible, right? Again, if this is $50 million, I cannot imagine that they just had hours and hours and hours to shoot these things. You know, you listen to somebody like Jackie Chan talk about, you know, filming an action scene and they'll spend a month on one scene just until it's perfect. That's not what's happening here. So uh, like you said, it feels like sometimes they're either picking like the only shot they had, like this is just what we've got, or they're picking a shot that there could have been a better one maybe in this, in, in that group that they put together to pick. Um, so, I mean, if you're a real big action movie, like aficionado, you're probably going to see some of those seams where you're like, oh, that was a little clunky or mm, that sequence wasn't particularly well done. But it's it's not a, it's not enough to throw me off, though. Like, it didn't take me out of it and be like, oh, oh, this is bad. You know, it's not like it's not like the the worst of the worst. It's just I've very, it's very mediocre. Really, really bad comic book movies. And, you know, we did watch Cosmic Sin. Which, as far as bad well, yeah. action movies goes, mm. you know, if yeah, that I mean, movie it's... gets to exist, then I think Mortal Kombat might be a, a much uh, It's certainly movie. a step above that. No problem. Uh, and it's definitely a step above the fighting in the original Mortal Kombat. Like, the, the original Mortal Kombat was slow in comparison, right? Like, oh my yeah. goodness. Like, the fights in that we movie We just are... didn't have... I mean, 1995, no. we didn't have our, our big... I mean, we had Jackie Chan movies, but Jackie mm-hmm. Chan was like a superhero and he still is. I mean, he is yeah, probably oh, the closest yeah. thing we have to a superhero, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but his movies sort of were a cut above the rest. Like no, no movie with martial arts in it is going to look as cool as that Mm-mm. because that was just the gold standard. of if you want to watch people kicking ass and it's really, really fast and it's cool as hell, watch Jackie Chan movies. But Mortal Kombat was... Most people don't watch martial arts movies, or they didn't in 1995. So that may not have, I don't think that would have appealed to audiences the way that it does now. No, I think that that genre has been expanded for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, movies like John Wick. Yeah. You know, but, but, well, The Matrix is really what did it. Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's The Matrix that short. kicked off the, the revolution in, in Hollywood of people, <laughs> you know, sort of bringing more martial arts sensibility and i guess you could say sort of the the chinese and and eventually the indonesian schools i mean you know we've definitely seen an explosion of that where people have a, i think a higher literacy in their understanding of how fi- how fight scenes in films should work and and this movie is hitting all the right notes but every once in a while there's a little missed note or there's an off key note Right. Where all of a sudden it'll be like, bong, and it's like, eh, that was not the best way to do that. But I, I don't think any of them are game breakers. They're just little missteps in a, a fairly in a film that has a surprising number of fight scenes. Like that was one of my issues with the original Mortal Kombat is that there's not that much fighting in it. Not really. It's a, it's a very short movie and they only had so much money to spend on those big choreographed fight scenes mm-hmm. so they only have a few of them and they're they're yeah. like the big expensive and they're really cool but they're just they're also not very long they just don't no. last as long 
I think this film's got at least 15 on-screen fights between characters, maybe more. Like now, it's it's a surprising amount. Now there is one thing about this movie. I don't know if this was something that would would stand out to you the way that it stood out to me or if I'm just crazy. I feel like and this could be related to the larger problem of editing, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Is I feel like there's a big problem with this movie's establishing shots that are very wide mm-hmm. and then yeah. when it moves in on the the actual scene with the actors standing around i don't feel like there's any follow through with those shots yeah i don't i don't feel like the actors are ever in the location that i'm being shown in the wide shot <laughs> no <laughs> um, i I, yeah. I very much get like this is this is a self storage unit and there are green screens set up everywhere like yes. and, and it's it's not again that's that's maybe a problem with like set design but then i don't think the sets were that bad i just feel like it was yeah. the way the way that we were transitioned into those scenes um was maybe not always so elegant it just felt like we had super wide shots of of a location and then we would go into these really awkward kind of mismatched medium and close-ups that didn't seem to have any cohesion with the rest of the sets and i just wonder if that was effects or i i don't know i don't know no i i think part of this movie if it has problems and and it does i mean it does yeah is that it is a small film that wants desperately to masquerade as a large film and in doing so, I, I don't think they really had a sense of scale, right? They, yeah. they wanted scale, but they didn't always know how to achieve it, right? There's that shot in the outworld where they're like up on whatever, like bone mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that Shang Tsung is just like sitting on his throne out in the open air on a bone mountain. <laughs> and so like the doors open and, and there's like this, you know, big CG shot of, of like the outworld, right? And it's supposed to be this big perspective. But even that one is shot at a high angle looking down to where you don't really even see the horizon or any of the scope. It's, it's, it's tamped down, right? And it, it feels like it's budgetary, right? They just don't have the money. Most <laughs> feels of like the we're s- looking at a desktop wallpaper and then we get the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. When, definitely, bef- you know, in the city where Cole is, like we get no sense of scale whatsoever. Like it's sh- it's all shot at night, so they don't have to show anything. Um, and and it's just it's very small. And you know, I know they shot this in Australia, shot in South Wales, I think. You know, which has a very large film industry. I don't want to make it sound like it's like backwater filming location or anything, but you know, they don't really have. You can't replicate a New York skyline in in South Wales, right? Like you're not going to be able to do that unless you're using special effects and or is, yeah, South Australia it was like Adelaide Studios. But like, yeah, I think it's just special effects budget. They just don't have the money to show that kind of scale. And what they did want to show was all like CG special effects stuff for Outworld yeah. or whatever. And so it, it is a problem, but I think you're also hitting on that editing issue, right? Because things are jumping too fast, right? Because when you, I mean, you know, your bone standard visual language for an establishing shot is you're super wide. Here's New York City. See in the foreground, here's a George Washington Bridge into New York City, right? Then your next shot is 
Zoom in on the George Washington Bridge. Here's your car moving from left to right, preserving screen motion or, or screen direction, right? So you follow the car on the bridge. Then you see the and car on the street. And then you see. There's none of that in this. Yeah. Like it, there's none of those pieces, right? It's just like building, inside building. <laughs> you know, it's like there's just none of those those steps that you generally need to make sure your audience is following the, the sort of visual map of your world. And and it does feel that way here. You know, um, even in. OK, so the next scene, you know, after Cole escapes, he ditches his family <laughs> completely, <laughs> drops him off in like a barn somewhere. And then he he goes after Sonia and Sonia lives in a trailer, right, which they try to kind of get some comedic miles out of. I, I don't know if it really goes anywhere, but. Cause that seems more like a commentary on what we do with retired soldiers in our military that they don't have any money and they're forced <laughs> to live in trailers. Um, but so she, she lives in a trailer and we, you know, they pull up at the trailer, right? So car in front of trailer, again, high angle shot, nothing behind it, just downward shot of trailer. They go inside trailer and then there's like one quick shot and then we're in the secret bunker underneath the trailer. Right. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did we go from like cheap ass trailer that looks like, you know, has like a hundred square feet inside to here's my secret bunker. And, and again, just a lot of just sort of moving through stuff. Just like, go, 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 get there, get there, get there. We just don't have time. We can't show things. We, you know, there, there's just a lot of forward movement that, isn't justified with some of the shots that they have available. I agree. And, and it's, it's just a consistent issue. Um, it is clearly shown to us that, uh, you know, Cole does have a family. That's one thing they, they spend a lot of time on. Um, and it's, it's obviously meant to mirror. Um, it's obviously meant to mirror Hanzo, right? Cause Hanzo had a family and, and he lost that family. And so Cole is, is desperate to, to not have that happen to him. So we do get our, our first little taste of Outworld. And, and Shang Tsung is just kind of walking through the desert. You know, I don't get the impression there's a lot to do in Outworld. It's just a... A lot of a lot of walking. I mean, that's one thing that didn't change from nineteen ninety five to this movie is Outworld looks really shitty. I can see why they want to come to Earth so bad. If I had to live in a <laughs> shitty, ugly place with just bone towers, I would probably want to come back to Earth too. Just, you know, and you know, we're I guess we're we're talking about establishing shots and scale. There there are some big ones here. They went out to some quarry somewhere and and shot people walking through all the rocks but even even then that it feels small right like you're getting these big wide vistas of mountains and, and rocks and stuff but there's nothing in them like they're just we took a helicopter and flew over this salt flat <laughs> like it's that kind of stuff and maybe it wants to be sort of ridley scott in the opening of prometheus maybe a little but it, it's it's Again, it just feels small and it's not really used in the story for anything, right? It's not communicating anything other than Outworld is shitty. So our, our next you know, big introduction is, is Sonya Blade, uh, played here by it was Jessica McNamee. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. 
what her name is. I, I don't know if I've seen her in anything before. She's done television stuff, um, some successful things, it seems like. And she was, she'd have a small role in uh, uh, The Meg, which I did see and I did like. Um, but she was in that and she was okay. But I, she is not very good in this. Uh, no, and, and I, I hate to say it. And I, again, a lot of it, I don't, it doesn't have anything to do with her. I think she's fine, but okay. their take on Sonia in this movie. And, and I'm very interested to hear your take on this feels off to me. Like I, it, you know, not that Sonia is a complicated character. None of these are complicated characters. None of these characters have like deep, rich internal lives, right? Like that's not what we're here for. But Sonia at her at her core is supposed to be this sort of like hardened. You know, she's she's badass military girl. Like, her, I mean, that's that's what she is. Her introduction when she she does the the big bulletin board with with yarn on it. Um, where she has been studying Mortal Kombat. It just, that was off-putting because it doesn't really fit with what we have been shown about her at mm -hmm. all. Um, it was a different direction to take the character, which is fine. You know, the movie's changing stuff up. That's That's fine. But it still tried to balance that with the badass soldier. And that just didn't, that didn't really hit me quite so well. I just I don't know. I didn't I didn't really know how to respond to it. And then um her motivation again, I'm gonna go back to the Paul W. S. Anderson movie. Her motivation in that movie was I hate Kano. <laughs> that was right. it. That was I the hate entire thing. Kano and I, I want him to Kano. die. I want him to die. And also maybe I kinda like Johnny Cage. Um Right. And that was, you know, movies, they got to do their stupid romance thing. But I, I sort of liked that she was on a vengeance quest. She hates this guy. She wants him to take him out. She's been hunting him down. And that's like her motivation. She gets wrapped up in everything else. Shifting her character arc to be this like true believer in Mortal Kombat didn't make a lot of sense to me. I... I don't know why they saddled that character with all the exposition. That was that, my question. I was like, why is she the one delivering all this? That always felt to <clears> me <throat> like it felt it was better with Liu Kang. Yeah. I mean, because Liu Kang's the guy that's been in this world his whole life, or at the very least, Raiden, right? Like you have Raiden show up and say, like, here's what's going on. But this movie's kind of taking a different approach to Raiden. Raiden is very hands off in this movie. He's He's there for sure. But they really sort of play up the whole like Raiden's not supposed to interfere thing. Uh, and, and it's fine. But yeah, I don't know why Sonya got this job. Because like you said, the, the moment I saw the bulletin board with the yarn and the interconnected pictures and the, the clippings, I was like, so she's like a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> so she's like but... Mulder and Scully? <laughs> and she's she studies Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and she's convinced her buddy Jax to follow her in her damn fool crusade. It's... Okay. It's like, uh, all right, uh, okay. And and the the other sort of big thing here is that Sonya Blade is not marked, right? Jax is marked. He's marked because he killed some guy that they were hunting down and then the mark transferred to him. And that apparently is what kicked off their, like, what is this? 
When I, and, I feel like they wanted to make the whole, you know, you have the mark, you are worthy. Like maybe that was a plot line that was a bigger part of some other script draft mm. and then was left in this one because it, it seemed like they wanted to make that a bigger part of Sonia's character that she wanted to be chosen. She wanted the mark. Yeah. But then we don't really spend enough time with that idea in the movie to, to care about it, I guess. Right. And, and, and I want to care about Sonia because I do like her as a character a lot. And I think she becomes in the games like now in the last game that I've been playing, you know, she's this really important character. She's got a daughter now who has also sort of been entered into mortal Kombat. You know, there's just a, she's become a really key character in the universe. And this film sort of just doesn't do that character justice, even the, where the character might go. It feels just kind of short. Um, again, Magnami herself is not bad. I just don't think she's being given much to do here. She's got to deliver a lot of clunky exposition, exposition dialogue. She's got to, she's also constantly used as the motivator which I, I thought was kind of reductive, right? She's constantly the one kind of like being like, we got this guys, let's do it. And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, that's good. You need that in a movie like this, I guess, but it, it just didn't feel like those. Why is she having to wear all these hats? Like, I don't, I don't get that. Um, it was like, it was sort of like, you know, you're sitting around, you're working on the script and like, Oh, we need somebody to do this. Oh, make Sonya do it. And it's like, but why, why would she be the one to do this? There are so many characters in Mortal Kombat. Why does it have to be her? Yeah. Why, and do, why does she have to be that person? Right. But she she reveals um, to Cole that his mark is is more than just a birthmark. Um, the other thing that her, you know, weird wall of clippings gives us is a lot of other little glimpses. Right. This movie is is very much designed for Mortal Kombat fans. They're not really trying to hide it. And so there's just stuff everywhere in this movie, like hints about, you know, characters to come, things that we'll probably see in the future. Some super obvious, some less so. Um, but, you know, there's just some good, some good little you know things in there for people who care. But really, the star of this section of the film is is Kano. Um, this movie makes a very specific choice with Kano to make him uh, the comic relief for a good 40 minutes. He is the guy who gets a surprising number of laughs. Uh, I, I, what did you think of Kano? Uh, I still didn't like him as a character because it's, it's Kano, but I was not expecting them to go that direction with him. I, I liked the, the character. I liked the back and forth, but ultimately I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't invest in the whole Kano might be a good guy. Oh, no, wait, he's a bad guy because I have, you know, he's going to be a bad guy. Right. Like um, Kano is, is not good. We know this. So I kind of feel like the movie wasted some time, like some screen time developing Kano only to have him, you know, turn around and, and be Kano, be the, the, bad guy that we know he was going to be. Right. Um so and and I don't want to say that like it wasn't the movie trying to do something interesting that like oh you're not really sure, but at the same time I was sure cuz it's Mortal Kombat. You're not going to throw me any 
fastballs here. <laughs> like, I think I know where this is going. Um, so I don't know. I just, I kind of wish that he hadn't been played for so many laughs. Sure. Um, but I did, I, I liked the laughing at him. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I was a little, I was a little concerned that maybe they were pushing it too hard, like that we should accept him as a, a sidekick type character. And you, you all, you know that he's going to turn on them. Yes. Right. I mean, he gets to be the butt of the jokes. He, yeah, I, I like that. I think I, that works really well. I think he gets the best line in the movie because when they say Sonia doesn't, is it the part where they keep her out and they're like, you don't get to be down here because you don't have the mark. You can't train with us. And off screen in the back channels of my home theater system, I just hear Kato go, womp, womp. I know, that was great. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it was... It's such a I good mean, line, and it's. I'm sure it was an afterthought. I'm sure it's it quite literally it's, something they were just sitting in the recording studio, being like, "What else could we put here that would be funny?" It but made man. it like a. It made it kind of disappointing because it made me like the character so much that I was disappointed because I knew he was going to you know right to be a bad guy, um, and and I I felt like his rapport with the good guys made it all the more like oh man. That's yes. And, you know, and Kano is not one of those characters that I'm aware of being, you know, redeemed at any point in the series. He's just bad. Yeah, No, he's he fights for Outworld through the whole series, as far as I know. So, you know, it's it it was one of those things. I'm I'm glad that the film had some some very intentional. Some very intentional humorous moments, and they're trying to keep it light and funny. As I said, you know, one of the things this movie does like the original is that it understands what it is. And, you know, we've had many discussions on this show already about like, what is the movie trying to do and how close is it able to get to that goal? That's, that's the real mark of whether or not a film, I think, well, it's, it's at least a starting point where we can look at it and say, you know, is this movie working? And this movie, surprisingly enough, hits that balance for me pretty well. Like, now we talked a little bit, you know, before I guess week before last about like trash films. Oh, we don't want to call it trash because what does that imply? But no, like this is a trash film, like intentionally, like it's gleefully trashy. But it's it's okay with it, and it's kind of leaning into it, and that makes it fun. And you know, quite frankly, we need these movies too, right? And not every movie has to be Minari. Right. Where it's it's this quiet, careful study of what it means to be alive. Right. Do I love those? Sure. Of course. Like, that's beautiful. But sometimes I also just want to watch people get punched in the face. Yeah. And that's OK, too. And it's it's just one of those things that I, I'm all right with. And this movie is is kind of OK with it, too. And I like that. So um, Kano is there. He's quippy. He's funny. He's you know funny Australian dude. We we get to see him develop. You know because Kano in the in the the games has like a metal plate over one of his eyes. He can shoot laser beams. You know it's it, it's a dumb video game that was meant to be rad in the nineties. Um, but we get to see him get scratched because their place gets invaded by Zizoth. Um, better known as Reptile. 
right? So mm-hmm. in the original Mortal Kombat, there were three palette swapped ninjas. Uh, one was a secret. But one was a secret on a particular stage. If you killed a person in a particular way, you could unlock and fight Reptile, uh, the green ninja, who, again, originally was just Sub-Zero, but green. But uh, he did have like acid powers, which have continued forward. But he's got he become his own character now. And so they end up fighting him and he is just a big lizard man uh, that looks OK. Right? It looks pretty good. I'm not going to say he looks great. They do it in the dark so you can't kind of see everything, which is smart. Um, they do reptile can turn invisible. So there's a whole sequence where they're just like trying to get stuff on him so they can see where he's at, which is kind of neat. And then of course, Kano finishes him with his, his signature finishing move from the original game, which was uh, ripping out somebody's heart. So he rips out his heart to kill him. Uh, I like how they were all horrified. Yeah. Like nobody was cool (laughs) with it. Like he was just having a great time. He's like, ah, this is awesome. And and everybody (laughs) else is like, dude, What's wrong with you? Uh, then we have this whole thing where Sonia, what did you think of the whole thing? Like Sonia promises him $3 million if they'll take him to take him to Raiden's temple. I did not get this at all. This was one of the beats in the, the larger story that they're trying to tell that. I don't know why they didn't just force him. Yeah. I like mean, they, she they had, had him there. Just tie him back up. Just, have. Have Cole beat him up. Just punch him until he does what he wants, you know? And then just, I thought, I kind of thought that's what the movie was going to do. I thought they were going to have him in like chains walking him through Outworld. And I thought that would have been really funny. Um, And that would be his, his couching for the comic relief. But it was when they did this, like, I don't know. It felt like it was trying to pull like a Han Solo, like appeal to his greed and, and then sidekick him. And I like, I, I don't know. I just didn't like that. And I think it was supposed to be funny when she's like, huh, I live here. I don't have $3 million, but it just didn't <laughs> land. Yeah, no, it just, just doesn't hit. And, and Cole at this point is totally passive. Like, I think we're supposed to see Cole as our main character, but he doesn't really do anything in these scenes. Like, he doesn't even really fight Reptile at all. Um, it's, it's just, it's weird. Like, it's like the movie had all these, these characters here and they just don't know exactly what to do with them just yet. They do set up a future fight that'll happen at this trailer between Sonya and Kano, which is cute. You know, they're, they're kind of building, I guess, to something, but then really it becomes about getting to Raiden's temple, right? So they, they find out about this mystical temple that's supposedly the seat of mortal combat on earth. I mean, again, this, this movie is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, but I don't care. I love it. Um, Cole keeps having visions of, uh, of uh, you know, what we'll come to know as Scorpion, but it's obviously Hiroyuki Sonata. And he keeps seeing the, the, the kunai blade, the, the, the stuff that he used. And so he's having all these dreams and then they jump out of a plane, which, which is like, OK. He has never been. Cole's never done that before. And then they just push him out of the plane. Yeah, Kano just pushes him out of the you plane. Don't, like, you don't do that. Why didn't no. they just have him strapped to someone who's done it before? You know how they do it for real? No, no. I mean, he's a hero. He's got to be able to uh, handle this. Uh, and then there's this whole I'm thing saying. where they, they're in a plane. They're jumping out of the plane so that they can be close to the temple. And then they land and Kano's like, oh, it's like 30 clicks. I'm like, that's what? a long way. That's in the desert without supplies. That's that'll kill you. That's you death. couldn't have brought us closer. 
Yeah, you're in a plane. Just Could fly you just closer. Fly over it? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there's supposed to be this like subtle thing that like Kano doesn't actually know where it is. Like he has like a vague idea, but he doesn't really know. But again, it doesn't get developed. Um, but I, I love that Cole is just literally walking around in jeans and a t-shirt. He doesn't even have a backpack. <laughs> No. He's, I mean, no it's supplies. Only take He's got a nothing. Minutes, you know. It like, only take a couple minutes, and then they'll be there. We're going on this desert jaunt, and I'm just out here in my vans. One know? screen wipe to the left, and then you'll just you'll you'll be there in the temple, and I'll be like, you were never in the desert at all. You don't need any supplies. And we've always got this. I don't know. There's this back and forth. Um, between Sonya and Kano, like it's it's building their rivalry, right? You can tell it wants a little bit of that mojo from the first film where it's like, I, I want to to kill you, I I, I hate you, you know, etc. But it just it doesn't work as well here because they also want Kano to be funny and and for you to love him. Um and it kind of just doesn't. It, it's it's a little bit too unbalanced, right? And she has the opportunity to kill him like a bunch of times and she just doesn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> which again is like, well, why? Why are you stopping? Just, just kill him. Just be done with it. I mean, you don't need him anymore. You're out here in the desert. He doesn't know where where you're going. Just walk around in the desert until you find it and leave him there. Just doesn't matter. But you know, we need him in the movie because he's Kano. Uh, and then they meet Liu Kang, uh, played by Ludi Lin, and Ludi Lin is great. I love Liu Kang. Liu Kang's such a cool character, and. Man, he looks exactly like Liu Kang from the the more recent games. At, like at one point, though, he put on the costume that he had in the first game. He did just the black and pants, and I was so excited when oh my god, he looked just like he did in the game. That <laughs> was really <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> I mean, it was cheesy, but it's like I don't know. Everybody likes that when you get to see your your thing that you like come to life on the screen. I can't help. Yeah, no, I mean, and this movie is is certainly playing on that. Like, it wants to give the fans of Mortal Kombat who are watching this movie those those experiences. It wants them to be like, oh man, there there he is, right? Like that's him. Uh, so really, this becomes the the training montage sequence of the film, right? For really the next like twenty twenty five minutes, it's going to be about the characters training to unlock what the film calls their arcana. Uh, which is the, you know, this movie's justification of why these people all have like weird powers and stuff. Yeah. Again, in a fighting game, you need weird powers because you have to be able to like hurl projectiles at people and because you know, it's a set video people on game. fire because it's a video game and you don't just want to punch people. And in this one, they've your when you have the mark, the dragon mark on your body, that means that you have access to an arcana and that arcana will allow you to perform special feats and Liu Kang demonstrates his immediately you know he has the mastery of fire we uh quickly meet Kung Lao uh who is awesome Kung Lao is great in this movie um he Holy cow. he is taken out of this film far too soon I, I he'll be back everybody's gonna be back like that's the thing Mortal Kombat nobody's die. dead nobody <laughs> nobody's dead no one is ever dead it's the whole point of a fighting game it's like characters live forever now um, the the guy who plays Kung Lao, where do I know him from? Why do I know him? Um, he. I, I looked him up, but I don't, I don't, I didn't recognize anything. But he looks so familiar. I don't know if I've just seen him in like 
and something just and I, I remembered his face because I mean, again, just everyone looks so good in this movie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean the casting's just really well done. They thought about both how the characters look in the games, but also how can you translate that to reality and find a person who fits that, but yet establishes the character as their own and is able to embody them so that they're not just impersonating a video game character. And they did a really good job of finding those balances. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen uh, his name's Max Huang. Uh, yeah, I think I just know him from some stunt performance. He, I think that's what he is. I think he is a stunts guy. Um, so he has probably just been around a lot of stunt performing capacities, but I, I'm I'm not familiar with any of his work out, outside of this. Um but he is really good as Kung Lao. Kung Lao was like I my won. favorite character in Mortal Kombat 2. I played he was the one I played the most and I, I really liked him. And that's a cheesy character. Like you Oh could, yeah. I mean, he throws a hat. That- I mean it's so dumb. <laughs> it's such it's a dumb hat. concept. I have a very sharp hat. That I surprisingly never cut myself on, even though I'm no. just grabbing it with my open it's hand. He's too good. <laughs> but you know, not me. I'm I'm capable of just grabbing it and holding it and hurling it, and everything's fine. And it's again, it's so dumb. But I, again, if you're not on board for that kind of dumb, then this movie ain't for you. But if if the idea of somebody hurling a hat at another human being and murdering them seems like a good idea, then Get ready. <laughs> well, and, and he has my f- my favorite, if such a thing can be said, my favorite kill scene in this movie is Kung Lao. Oh, he, by f- yeah, that is has, the because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, too. <laughs> that is the kill scene in this movie. Like, wow, it is, and it's happened so fast. It's so unexpected. I really thought that fight was going to go on longer, and it's like, nope. I'm just going to uh, my. I'm going to table husband- saw you. My husband got up and went to the bathroom right before that happened. And it happened while he was washing his hands. And he just hears me in, in the other room going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there in a second. So they come to the temple. We have a bunch of paintings on the wall that show, you know, characters. Shao Kahn's in there. I think Baraka's in there for a minute. Um, Melina, not Melina, um, Katara, the princess, the other one. I think Katara. Um, again, I, I know these games, well, but I'm not. Melina, Melina is the one with the mouth. Yes. And Kitana is the pal swap version of her. Yes. <laughs> but Kitana was the original one and Melina was her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah, exactly. Why do and I know this? <laughs> I know, right? It's like it sticks in your head. There's nothing you can do about it. And they meet Raiden, and I love they meet Raiden, and Raiden's like, this is all I got to work with? You guys suck. <laughs> and he just <laughs> walks away. Like, I love, I kind of love it, because he's he's supposed to be, like, this grand leader, and, and he's like, wow, you guys are garbage. That sucks. I guess, you know, we got, like, a week to teach you guys how to not die. Um... And and really, again, this section is the training montage. Everybody's trying to discover their arcana. Uh, and then Kano is the first one to do it. He gets his his weird laser eye beam. Uh, there's a really cool fight sequence with uh, Sub-Zero, who kind of invades the temple on Shang Tsung's orders. Uh, he fights Liu Kang just a little bit. And then basically... They get locked out of the temple. Raiden like puts up a shield so they can't get in and the the humans can continue to train. 
And again, tons of fights. Uh, this is where Kung Lao gets reintroduced. Uh, and he does his like teleport out of the ground into his hat thing, which was so cool. It's it's a little bit of a bad digital double. Like it's it, you know, it's a little bit too bendy in spots as he like does his thing. But I again, I didn't care because I was like, oh, my God, he's doing the hat teleport thing. That's so cool. Yay. Uh, it's <laughs> It's just it's such a weird balancing act that this movie is capable of of pulling off. And uh, so, again, I don't want to you know, belabor the point. The, the training montages are good. I, I think the fight scenes are pretty funny. There's a lot of just little gags in there for fans of the game, because, you know, you mentioned earlier that we would often play together. And and I was not I am not great at Mortal Kombat, but oftentimes I was a little better than you just because I was older. I'm not really but good like, at video games. I play video games uh, all the time. But I'm not getting any better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My skills aren't improving. I don't understand. I practice all the time. But there's like a sequence where Kano and Liu Kang are training together. And and Liu Kang just keeps sweeping him, sweeping the leg and knocking him down. <laughs> and like this is a deep cut. Like this is a deep, deep cut. But like in the original game. If you got them into, if you timed it perfectly, you could basically sweep every enemy in that game. Except for, I think, Goro. Like, I don't think you could sweep Goro. But, like, all of the other characters, you could just get them into a sweep loop. And you could just sweep them for the entire match. And I mean, that was the them. only way that I was ever able to beat you. Yeah, and I, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Is like, you, you figured that out. And you would just, like, get me in a quarter. And then just sweep me as long as you could. And uh, and so, the I mean, they're even referencing like that kind of dumb shit from the game, which I think is hilarious. And it's probably because the person writing it is like my age or, or between you and I for sure. And he's like, do you remember, Ted, when that, you get swept over and over? Let's put a sweep the leg <laughs> joke in this thing. Um, and of course, it's Kano that gets it happen to him. So he gets made fun of, which is great. But. Really what this section is about is, is Cole trying to discover his Arcana. Um, his Raiden makes it fairly clear pretty fast that, you know, like the he's having these visions of uh, Hayashi or, or, you know, whatever, Hisashi, whatever his name is, and uh, Hanzo. And he doesn't know what they are. And then Raiden kind of very quickly like is like, oh, you're the descendant of that guy. And he was one of the greatest warriors ever. So. You know, like I kind of like how it was very duh. Yeah, it's like didn't get your shit together, take man. Great pains to <laughs> explain this. To... It was just like, yeah, well, I mean, you are one of his, you know, relations. So there you go. That's that. We're done. Yeah. Let's let's get this going, okay? We really need you to kind of lead this team. Let's, <laughs> Step let's... it up, man. Why haven't you figured this out already? <laughs> figure this out, man. <laughs> figure out what your weird superpower is. Hope it's not dumb. Um, again, like. There's no attempt to modify any of the costumes or any of the characters like Kung Lao is straight up the Kung Lao from the video games. And I just I like that. I like that they're not, you know, it's like, you know, the MCU is a good example here. Like the MCU takes the comic book costumes and then kind of like tones them down a little. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Captain America is not wearing like a chainmail upper body or you know, some kind of like armor plating. The best example is the X-Men movies. And yeah. how they took those costumes and made them like these really washed, clean, palatable versions right. where they looked cool instead of wearing like yellow and blue spandex. 
Right. And and this movie just doesn't do that. It just leans yeah. into these characters. I mean, a character we're going to see here in a few minutes, uh, Cabal, like he's straight up the Cabal from the last video game. Like yeah. if you look at that character model in the last video game, that is what they did for this character. Cool. And it looks really cool. <laughs> and it's just you don't see that kind of stuff in Hollywood very often. Usually when you when you see something like this translated to the screen in Hollywood, well, they feel this this inherent need to just change it all well, and make and it more something else. And And it's it's changing it in a specific way. It's it's making it's taking video games I have a real, I have a bit of a lot to say about like video games being turned into movies, same with books, same with everything. But with video games, it always feels like the film industry wants to mature them. Mm -hmm. Take this video game and make it more mature, make it more suitable for people who aren't like little baby children, who are obviously the only ones playing video games. Um, And it's, it's been really fun to see that get turned on its head with, you know, Things like The Last of Us, obviously, being mm. what it is, really well written. Um, but with Mortal Kombat, this is maybe even more satisfying because it's like we don't have to make this story more mature and and more approachable for, and not really even approachable. They don't have to just clean it and and make it kind of boring and easy for people to digest they're just showing you what the story is and hopefully you like it yeah they're okay with it being a little weird and and that is, is good and that's good because mortal kombat is weird making it not weird just makes it a generic fighting game or a generic fighting tournament which is like who cares so i'm glad that they they felt comfortable enough i mean there's still areas where i'm sure they're sanding it down just a little bit but well, yeah. Not much. Like it's it's pretty much especially if you again if you've played the recent games, like this looks a lot like them. They they didn't redo everything. They really just kind of let things breathe where they were. And I, it it worked for me. Like as a even a marginal Mortal Kombat fan, I thought it was pretty cool. And so while this training's going on, uh Jax, we find out he survived. Um that one of the things Liu Kang had been doing was attempting to collect the champions of earth and find them. And so they, they discover Jax and, and rescue him and then are in the process of building him, you know, mechanical arms, but they're kind of, kind of like crappy mechanical arms. (laughs) I don't know how a mechanical arm could be crappy, but this one is, is crappy. And so we get a, a sort of goofy scene where again, Sonya who now has to be like the team motivator convinces Jax to not give up and keep fighting and that he'll find a way and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's character development or at least it wants to be, Yeah, but it's, I don't know if it's successful. It's, it's not super successful. Like it, it, if it was out of the movie, if that scene was gone, it wouldn't matter. And, and that generally is, is kind of like a good test for whether or not a scene needs to, it's like, if, if I take this out, does it change anything? And it doesn't because Jack still isn't confident after that scene. He, he's not like, you know, trying to kill himself or anything. But it's it's certainly not like, a, uh, you know, this huge moment of change. Uh, then we get the fight over the egg rolls. Uh, Kano wants an egg roll and Kung Lao won't give him one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool, right? 
but this is what brings out Kano's arcana. So he gets his arcana out and and finally sort of feels powerful. He's I mean, if you deny me egg rolls, uh, lasers will shoot out of my eyes. Also. Hey, I mean, and I understand. And I think you could understand it. You know, you can see his yeah. point. Um, hungry. You know, Kano does spend some time telling us who he is. We get, a, I guess, a little bit more of his backstory, although Sonya had provided a bit of that. But, you know, Kano's a mobster. He's done, you know, terrible things. And, and uh, you know, we kind of get reminded of that at this moment in the film so that we don't forget, I guess, that Kano actually is a bad guy. Because, um, again, the movie hasn't done a great job of reminding us that he's a bad guy. He's been funny and maybe even a little bit charming at times. But now we get a reminder, oh, no, actually, he's awful, you know. Um. And so Shang Tsung's whole plan here is to just interfere with the assemblage of the team so that they, the humans have no chance of winning Mortal Kombat. Because there's this prophecy about Hanzo Hayashi's or Hasashi's blood. Uh, yeah, Hasashi. Uh, I got to remember that. People are going to be bad if I don't. Uh, but Let's call him Scorpion. <laughs> Scorpion. Uh, so like his blood could potentially undo this plan. And so now that they know that Cole's alive, they're trying to take care of this and and here's where you know kano does his heel turn and he gets convinced by one of the outworld mercenaries right another human that uh that's cabal yeah to just like you know come over to our side so he destroys the shield the temple becomes vulnerable and the assassins begin you know coming after everybody again and so here is where the movie starts really just breaking down into a series of fights um which it's kind of time. Like I'm okay with it. Like I think it's good because we've, this is, there have been good fights in this. There really have, but there haven't been a tremendous number of them. And now for the rest of this film, it's, it's pretty much just all fights. Uh, Cause all the outward people show up and they kind of go into the temple and kind of break everybody up and take everybody on one by one as Shang Tsung watches. So we get a little bit of that MK one kind of like Shang Tsung, just sitting back, observing everything happening. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, fun. these are good fight scenes. Um, so the, the most important and, and perhaps memorable one is of course the one you mentioned already. Uh, Kung Lao fights, off, uh, fights against uh, Nitara, who is a newer MK character. She's like a winged harpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he fights against her. She kind of can, she can fly. And so he's riding on her and he directs her into uh, and this is straight, this is a fatality straight out of the video game. Like you could absolutely do this to people in Mortal Kombat, but Kung Lao like throws his hat, like his big blade hat, into the ground, and it spins like a table saw, basically. And then he just runs your body over it, uh, and mm. and just splits you in two. And the movie shows every last freaking bit of it. Um, yeah. I mean, the video games, it, it's not. I don't think it can ever look. Quite like that it's games. it's pretty um, close in the new ones like i i cannot tell you how yeah, the absolutely new ones are very graphic violent. they are yeah but but um, yes the film is there's always there's always that little bit of removal in the in the models and the way it's designed and of course, sure, sure. blood physics and video games and all that but this was wow they went there they, they did, did go it. There. they did it they really went there and so, you know, Liu Kang faces off against Cabal. Uh, Sonya and Jax are fighting against uh, the uh, another newer character. 
uh, General Rayco, I think. Um, and he's he's a newer guy, but he's he's pretty cool. He's got like a big hammer and stuff. And so they fight off against him, and and all these fights are really cool. Excellent stunt work, really, you know, very solid martial arts. Um, some of the hand to hand stuff's a little weak. It it is. Like, it's just it could be faster, it could be tighter, but. It looks good. It's shot capably enough for the most part. Editing again, a little bit weak, but really this is like the the moment that's supposed to cement these people as a team, right? Like that's that's really what's happening here is they're all coming together to, you know, finally instead of just be a bunch of individuals doing their own thing, actually become like a team of fighters that can defend Earth and save us. Um. Some of it's a little silly. I, all of it's a little silly. I, I don't know. I can't. It's a I silly can't. movie. Yeah, it's a That's silly okay. movie. Because um, Melina, you know, like there's a, a moment where Melina has Sonya Blade killed, right? She's, you know, just, just finish her kind of thing. But because Sonya doesn't have the mark, she's like, you're not worth me killing you. And I'm like, really? Does that seem like a smart choice? I'm not sure if that's a smart choice. It just seems like a few seconds. You could just take a few seconds. So you a few seconds and kill her and then she wouldn't be in your way anymore. Right. But uh, then Kano, you know, sort of like sticks his finger in her wounds. And, uh, I don't I know. I hate that. I hate it when it's movie. so bad. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I, I definitely do like that. The, the visual language of these characters, because one of the things that is kind of cool about modern fighting games is that they've all sort of figured out. You know, you need to be able to read what your character is doing on screen. So colors are very specific, uh, like Cabal, his powers have always been purple. And and it's it's really just a visual read thing. Like You need to know that these are Cabal's powers versus, you know, somebody else using blue or whatever. And, uh, you know, they really kind of get that tone down in this. Like it's it's it looks right. And that's just so satisfying to see. And again, it's it's something that you would expect Hollywood to change. Like, oh, we're not going to use that purple color. That's not going to look good on screen. They just lean into it and go with it. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's nice. Um, so those fights end and, uh, Cole gets into a big fight with Goro, which if you've seen the original Mortal Kombat, Goro is the four armed, like outworld champion. I was not expecting to see Goro in this film. I just wasn't. Really? I, I just was like, why would that's something, you know, you save that for later or, you know, again, I knew this movie didn't have a huge budget. So I was like, ah, oh, they probably just won't do Goro. They'll just leave him out. But they don't. And uh, not only does does he fight Goro, he demolishes Goro um, and, and figures out his arcana at the same time, which, uh, again, Cole's a new character. He is not in any of the current Mortal Kombat games. Um, so they kind of have invented his power set just for the film. Uh, I have no doubt that he will be in future Mortal Kombat games. They'll retcon him in there somehow. Um, I'm I'm relatively certain that's going to be a thing that happens. But Cole gets to have like a body shield, right? Like absorbs energy. Or at least that's the impression I got. Is that what you thought? Um, That was kind of what I was getting from it. Um, it's not really clear what the it's almost like 
punching him gives him energy, like it charges up his ability mm-hmm. almost. Or that's how it seems with Goro. Yeah. Like, punch yeah. me, it'll make it better. <laughs> and then he gets like the the arm blades on it that come out yeah. and he uses those to to finish Goro off um and kill him. Which was was very cool. I mean, I, I like the look of it. It's a little bit of a cheesy rubber suit. It's a little bit of a cheesy rubber suit. But but then again, everyone else in the movie kind of has such a distinct and over the top look that maybe it's good they didn't go too crazy with our our quote unquote main character. Yeah. And Raiden gets another cool scene at this point where he like thanks Shang Tsung and uh, the rest of the other fighters for for like helping my thanks for helping my fighters discover their arcanas. I, I really appreciate your efforts. And then he like, you know, zips everybody out. He's trying to teleport them away. And then that's when the worst moment of the film happens and, and Kung Lao uh, dies. And then of course we've already got our, we've got several memes that have already come out of mortal Kombat, And one of them is, and one of them is Cabal say he's about to get his soul sucked. Um, people yeah. are having a lot of fun with that line. <laughs> I mean, and there, it seems like the dialogue does kind of fall apart in the last, you know, I, thirty I, minutes. Yes, of the movie uh, where it's just it seems like whoever was writing the script was like, "Shit, we got lunch in like twenty minutes. Have, I gotta get this finished." Yeah, <laughs> I, I realized that we were kind of we were probably in for a bit of story trouble the moment that crucial exposition was delivered in a white void with the key actors present. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, this was shot on a soundstage well after the fact, as you guys were trying to figure out how to end your movie. That's cool. Um, because then the film does give us just a little bit of like a tournament style fight, right? Basically Cole's big idea, his save the day ideas. Hey, Raiden, you can teleport people, right? And he's like, well, yeah, <laughs> Like, we'll just teleport us to all these people and we'll just fight them. <laughs> Raiden's like, all right, let's do that. And then you Good just idea. <laughs> you just see all these people teleported to these very obvious Mortal Kombat, like recreations of Mortal Kombat levels. And they just fight each other one on one. And that's uh, that's like the last you know 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> and it's but it's great. It's glorious. Jack's like pops some dude's head. Sonya Blade uh, kills Kano and gets her Arcana. It was almost very montagey and, and yeah, kind of fun. And they didn't spend too much time no, on it before no. they go straight to Cole and Sub Zero, which is what we want to see. That's what I want to see. Right, because that's where we're headed. Right, we opened with you know Sub Zero and Scorpion fighting, and and obviously we need to end there. Um. But so, yeah, the, the fights here are good. Um, you know, Sonya gets her. She's like some like wrist blasters or something. I, I think. I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I think that's her her like power in the the new games is sort of similar to that. And a lot of the I mean, in a lot of the games, she just had guns. Like she would shoot people. Um, well, she has the, the sonic blast thing that she did in the first game. That's true. Yeah, rings. that's right. I remember that. I learned how to do that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of along those lines. Uh, I really do like Jax's arms. I, I think those look really good. You know, in a in a year where we got another stab at Justice League, 
and sort of the cyborg effects in that movie, I actually think like Jax's arms look way better. You know, I mean, they spent like $400 million on Justice League and they tried twice and they still weren't able to produce mechanical arms that were as good looking as this $50 million video game movie adaptation, which I think is I think part of it is ironic. You just you just treat your expectations a little bit differently. True. Very true. Justice League was maybe a bit too big for its britches. I, I enjoyed the Snyder Cut. We haven't really had a chance to talk about that yet. I, the Snyder Cut is a vast improvement over the theatrical release. Uh, but that is that is not saying a lot. I mean, it yeah. doesn't have to be very good to be better than that. And and that's okay. There, that's all right. But I, I did enjoy my time with it. And so, really, this film ends its its final moment is. Hiroyuki Sonata and Joe Taslim having a fight to the death in the frozen gym where the film began. Cause that was one thing on my first time watching it. I didn't realize that I didn't realize that this was like the gym that he was fighting in at the very beginning. That's where this all happens. Uh, the second time I watched it was like, Oh, that's like the little octagon, like the little cage that he fought in. It, 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 I'm sure somebody was in there being like, it's like poetry. It rhymes, you know, like they were doing that. <laughs> well, and like, you know, that's good filmmaking. That's good instincts. Yeah. You, you know? did something movie. You're doing it. <laughs> that's right. You guys have ideas. <laughs> Y'all made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's all frozen stuff, which all the ice effects in this look, look really good. I, I was impressed by them. I also like that they, when he creates the ice, they show it like it comes out of his hands and makes yeah. him like cuts him like Wolverine like it style. Looks like it hurts. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's painful for him to do it, which I was, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, but then we get like an awesome fight between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, I also, again, it bothered me that Cole literally had nothing to do in this scene. <laughs> like he's not, I mean, he it, does eventually, I guess, but it bothered me until I saw until there, there's the moment where Yuki Sonata says, I am Scorpion. And it actually did the the video game shot of each mm-hmm. of them standing on either side of the screen. It and I was did. like, oh, look, their health bars are going to pop up. It's what it felt like. <laughs> I mean, somebody really thought about that stuff. And then I was like, ah, fuck Cole. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, this is what we came for. Like, you know, even if you just have a marginal relationship with Mortal Kombat, you know that this is cool, right? These two, you know, the fire and ice ninja fighting it out. This is what you want to see in your Mortal Kombat movie. And, and it's, it's good. This is, is definitely the, this is the highlight fight scene of the film. <clears throat> Very easily. Uh, they still try to give it some emotional resonance. Cole's, Cole's family, uh, Sub-Zero has frozen them um inside the octagon right they're kind of like frozen up on the walls almost kind of alien style like they're hanging there mm-hmm. you know it looks like one of them's going to be like kill me you know that kind of thing <laughs> uh but you know Cole's like trying to to punch them out of it which i think is just hilarious um, um i did like that uh scorpion sees them and then we have that little flashback to his family yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, there's still some emotional resonance here. Like they're drawing a parallel back to the, well, I the mean, beginning you know, of the film. You know, That's what happens when you take actors 
who aren't just martial artists, like they're not just good at moving their bodies around in a really cool way. They're also just really good actors. <laughs> like there's there there are people who exist in in such a multi-dimensional, you know, arena of film where it's like you can do so much. Um you can you're like you're they're physical actors and they're they're performance actors as well. Yeah. And you know, I I know we've talked about this a bunch, maybe not on the show, but you know, when you look at like the the original Matrix, right, which is just a revelatory film. It's just glorious. But the beautiful thing about that movie is that every fight in that film matters. It has weight, mm -hmm. right? Like nothing is wasted. Every fight causes growth in, you know, one of the characters or pushes the plot forward in a key direction. Like the fights are, are highly integrated with what's going on, which is one of the reasons why the Matrix sequels, if they existed, would, that's why they, they're weaker is because most of the fights are just fights and they're not really important. I mean, it, like of the four or five like major fight sequences in that movie, they end with Neo flying away from them. Just leaving, you know, not finishing well, anything. I'm just, done. Well, all right. That's Burly Brawl fight. We'll be seeing you. <laughs> I think I might lose. I'm just going to take off, guys. Can you fly? You can't. You can't fly. Can we verify that? You cannot fly. Then I'm going to fly. And and that is like, it's a metaphor for that entire film because they just. It's all the same stuff. But it doesn't have any of the push or drive. <clears throat> that was present in the first film. And. And this movie, like, I appreciate that as silly as it is, and it is very silly. They're trying to give some weight to these guys. And, and I think maybe at the end of the day, that's why they picked Hiroyuki Sonata to be Scorpion is because they're like, well, we're kind of pinning the whole emotional. How, how do this we film make on the, the fire breathing skull head man? actually a character that people are interested in yeah exactly <laughs> and and that's a pretty good approach i mean you're you're not doing yourself any harm by by throwing him in front of the camera and saying be this incredibly important character to this universe um i i, I did love his line because he does his finishing move the original scorpion finishing move was to take his ninja hood off and it was a skull underneath and then you burn your enemy <laughs> coolest thing i've ever like i mean you remember how obsessed i i was and i am with skulls and skeletons and how much i loved that as a kid so like that character was just there was nothing cooler than that fatality when he pulls off his mask and i was so happy when they did it in the movie that was just perfect yeah, and like literally none of it made sense in the games. No. Right? Like it's like, no. why does he have a skull? Like, you know, even if Because it's awesome. Because it's awesome. Because it's <laughs> rad, right? And we just wanted to make a rad fighting game. And and it's okay. But like in this one, they say, like, oh, I've been in the I've been in hell, and instead of being burned by the flames, I learned to master them. And he just like, you know, murders Sub-Zero with flame. And and it's really cool. And I Everybody shows up, you know, at the, the place <laughs> when the fight's over, of course. We have to film the end of the movie now. <laughs> and 
Raiden, I think, kind of, and I don't know if this sold for you or not, but Raiden kind of tries to make it sound like, oh, this was the plan all along, right? Like, <laughs> this is what I always wanted. And I was like, wait, what? You know, I that for me was like a bit of a stretch. You know, he's yeah, just generally unfazed by everything. Right. Like, hey, you did a great job. I totally knew it was going to work out. It's like, did you? <laughs> did you? You know, you actually, it would have been funny if he had said that. <laughs> just slaps Cole on the back really hard and was like, I knew it was going to work I knew out. It was going to work out for you, buddy. No problem. That's why I didn't help. <laughs> That's why I just hung out in my, my remote <laughs> castle that uh, no one can access. Except by my weird electric teleportation powers. <laughs> but in essence, this last little section, this chunk after the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight is, is the sequel bait. And there is obvious and evident sequel bait here. Um, Shang Tsung like, takes the bodies of the fallen Outland warriors and says, hey, nobody, basically nobody's ever gone. Right. There's no death here. We're just going to keep this this game rolling. Yeah. and. Then, you know, Raiden says there are there are more people out there, more champions that we need to to get together. <laughs> more characters and more. That's games. right. <laughs> we got a roster of like 70 plus characters now, brothers. <laughs> We're going to do it. And then Cole's all like, where are they? Bring them on. We got this. And it's, it's so silly. But then we cut to the next scene and it's I, I'm thinking it's the same gym. Um, it is. It is. But all the ice is gone now and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And nobody even mentions yeah, well, the it. The ice melted yeah. because Sub-Zero died. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty Scorpion sure. Scorpion melted that. If ice. there's anything that Texas Storms taught us is that having ice inside your place is real bad. And you don't want to do that. But yeah. in this case, it's all fine. Nobody's worried about it. But we do get a, a lovely, lovely little send off. There's no stinger or anything like that, which I was kind of hoping they'd marvelize it because, you know, why not? But we do get a little indicator of the most notably absent member of the main or the, the core Mortal Kombat cast. Because the because Cole in this film takes the place of a very important character from the first film in the games. Uh, and that, of Johnny course, is Cage is not afraid to die. That's right. Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage does not appear in this Mortal Kombat movie. And a lot of people, when they saw the cast, were like, what the? Why would you not put Johnny Cage in this movie? And I think it's because they want to cast. I think they want to cast somebody super, super famous as Johnny Cage. Good, good. Because Cage good. in the newer games, you know, in the original games, Cage was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, that's who he was yeah. supposed to be. He was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme from, from Bloodsport. Um, that's who Johnny Cage was. Uh, red sash around the waist and everything, right? Like that is that is who that yeah. character was supposed to be. In the more modern games, Cage is is more of a cage fighter, right? Like he's not quite that anymore. He still has the same moves. When he's and kind stuff. of a mashup of like all action stars, right? Because you know he is still a movie star. And and so I love oh, and the poster that they show. That's right. They the show movie. like a, a half. They basically show the bottom half of a poster. With his like ridiculous cage belt buckle, which is totally a thing from the current video games. But he looks really beefy and there is a tiny piece of me that thinks they might try and cast somebody like John Cena as that, that guy, would which would be hilarious. 
Um, um, I mean, there are so many Hollywood torsos who could play Johnny Cage, you know, and like really talented torsos. Oh, who are yeah. Pretty good actors. Excellent torsos. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to wear a shirt for the entire movie. <laughs> and they probably and they could just won't. make so much money. Yeah, for Man, sure. It'd be a sweet job. Um, but yeah, we pan over and, and there's a, a movie poster for Johnny Cage. Right? And it says, Citizen uh, Cage, fight for your rights. Fight for your rights. Yeah. yeah. Was because. It wasn't that in the song, the stupid song. It absolutely was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cage is not afraid to die. That's all I could think yeah, of. <laughs> it's there's there's just a lot of little stuff in this movie and a lot of big stuff. Like even if you're just a passable Mortal Kombat fan, there's stuff here that you'll look at and go like, oh, that's cool. Um, but there's a lot of really like tiny stuff that that also accumulates to being kind of fun. Uh, so I mean, that's the the basic structure of Mortal Kombat. It's it's a really simple film. It is not a perfect film. Uh, it's the opposite of that. Um, but it's one of those things that you just kind of don't care. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's having a good time with what it's attempting to do. And is there room here that it could have been tighter, that the story could have had more weight? Absolutely. Like, and I wish they would. I mean, that was my issue with the first Mortal Kombat films that <clears throat> I think there was room there to go deeper in cool areas, but but I think that that is I, I think you're hanging your hat in the wrong place if you think a Mortal Kombat movie is going to do those things or that it should do those things. Uh, it's it it knows exactly what it is and that's fine. And I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, it's an it's an incredibly watchable, very entertaining look at this incredibly indelible franchise that shouldn't have survived the 90s. That's the thing is that Mortal Kombat is the 90s. It is the Everything 90s. about it is the 90s. The Mortal Kombat <laughs> should not have made it out of that decade. It shouldn't have because it is such a remnant of that crazy experimental just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks time period, which is what the nineties felt like in a lot of ways. And, and a lot of things that were born in the nineties never got out of there. Right. And Mortal Kombat has made it. And that's because it has constantly reinvented itself over and over again. They just keep coming back to that and be like, what else can we do? How else can we find a way to make this relevant? And the movie feels like, it's kind of learned that lesson. It's looked at the core pieces of what makes Mortal Kombat work, which is zany over the top fights, hardcore violence, and and then like just enough of a character that you can love them, right? Just enough. It doesn't have to be a lot, but as long as you've got something to grab onto, you're probably going to get your favorite, just like you do when you play a fighting game. Right. When you play a fighting game, you've got this bevy of characters in front of you, but there's some quality about Kung Lao. And you're like, I want to play that guy. Right. I like the way he looks. I like the way he sounds, whatever. And the movie just sort of leans into that, too. And is like, hey, I, you know, if they like this character, they're really going to love this moment. Um, I will say that if. <sighs> One of, it's obvious one of the things that is going to happen because of 2020 and, and the, the role of the pandemic on film and film releasing in the last year and a half. 
all of these movies are going to be talked about with like a big asterisk next to them where it's like, oh, well, that was a pandemic movie. And I think that's going to help Mortal Kombat a lot. Yeah. Because I don't I don't think this movie would have been super successful in a traditional theatrical release. I think it would have done fine. It would have made its money, maybe a little bit more. But I really don't think that it would have been like a smash success. But by releasing it this way on HBO Max and in theaters, right? Because it's made money at theaters. It's already pulled in like 50 million at, at even like pandemic theaters. Warner Brothers is going to get to claim this as a success and make another one. And the next one will be awesome. has the potential <laughs> to be truly awesome because we've dealt with all the basics, right? All the basic stuff is there. The characters are established. Now it's just going to be expansion and adding more stuff. And that could be a tremendous amount of fun. Um, I want to see wild locations. I would yes. like to see these characters yes. get into fights in some really interesting places. Yeah. And hopefully not just all CG backgrounded, you know, like outer yeah. world stuff. Like let's go to exotic locales and see cool things. Cause that was one thing that the original Mortal Kombat film did right. Right. They went to this mystical Island and it was like kind of tropical, but it also had these and castles. Saw a lot of it. Yeah. It was, it was very cool and, and it felt big and expansive. And that's really what this movie kind of lacks. Um, so let's let's quick hit the things we didn't like about it, because there are things to not like about it. None of them matter enough to me to say this is not worth watching. I, I think it's still worth your time because it's just so up its own butt in just the perfect way. I, I yeah. It's like it's it's just I'm, the well, right it's, amount it's, of up its own butt for it to work. And that it shouldn't, but it does. It's unapologetic. Like it yes. is. Like I said, it's this is a game. That is ridiculous, and it has persisted in its ridiculousness in in the face of other games saying you cannot be ridiculous, you must be more serious and, and gritty and real. Mortal Kombat has said no. We will continue to do what we do. Yeah. Um. And this movie is is ca it's it's carrying on the same message, but it's also doing it in the face of of other video game movies and television shows. That always seem to kowtow to Hollywood demands, which is make your film serious, make your film respectable, wash it of all of its video gaminess, mm -hmm. and make it something that Hollywood wants to to deal with and and deal with on its own terms. But instead, this movie is like, no, this was a silly video game and it's a silly movie, and enjoy. Yeah, uh, honestly, the movie that this reminds me most of is the most recent Power Rangers, which is ironic because Ludi Lin, who plays Luke Kang here, was also in that. Um, but the the most recent Power Rangers, and, and I, I don't know if you, have you watched that one yet? I know we've talked about it. It is on my list to watch because I was big into <clears throat> the Power Rangers. I, I don't know why I was. They were a little, it skewed a little bit young for how old I was when that came out, but I, I enjoyed it. It's because it. I watched it. Yeah. I, I think I, you watched I it because it. I was watching it <laughs> and I forced you to watch it with me. And... The new Power Rangers is unequivocally no holds barred. Great. Like it's a great movie. Um, not because it's it's perfect, just like this. Like, I mean, there is a scene in it where Rita Repulsa, played by Elizabeth Banks, goes to a Krispy Kreme 
because there's an important thing there that she needs and she sits and eats a Krispy Kreme donut. But at like, the same time, it's a movie that's come out recently uh, that has Rita Repulsa in it. I How know. I'm like, happy about that's that. That's the thing. And the movie knows that that's ridiculous and just kind of leans into it. And and I appreciate it for that. It's it's a surprisingly good thing. But the one thing Power Rangers does that this movie doesn't is it it spends way more time on its characters. Like by the end of that film, you actually know who the Power Rangers are, which was never a part of the show. Like it was like, well, this kid's like the strong, cool jock guy. And this is the kind of nerdy one. This one goes way deeper than that. And it's it's really satisfying. But it's the same. It's the exact same concept. Right. We're going to take this inherently cheesy very silly premise right very silly and we're going to treat it with not absolute seriousness because that would be a mistake we're going to treat it with just the right level of seriousness that seriousness that we get buy in to the world and then we're just going to go nuts with it because why wouldn't you when your premise is this ridiculous right just go for it why hold back and say like, oh, well, that's not realistic. That's not a thing that could happen. Who cares? What difference does it yeah. make? I don't care. <laughs> and 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 I like that this film has that. Again, I think it's going to be helped by the pandemic situation. I think Warner Brothers is going to sell this as a win, no matter what happens. But I think we're going to get more of these. And I, I am unabashedly excited about that. Because, yeah. again, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is, what nostalgic button it is hitting in my brain. But like I said, I cannot. I was. When I when Raiden showed up at the beginning after the Hanzo fight, I, I actually squealed. I was like, Yee! it was just yeah. so cool to see him walk out of of his little lightning portal. It was just so, so cool. I I. So I'm not the guy to be objective about this, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but I guess let's let's talk briefly about some of the problems. Um, the acting is mostly OK. Some some is bad. Line deliveries, not always great. One of the problems mm. with hiring like really veteran, really talented people like Tadanobu Osano and Hiroyuki Sanada is that it will be painfully obvious when the actors around them are not as talented as they yeah. are. <laughs> there is a there's a, a large gulf between some of the actors who are given scenes together in this movie. Uh, this is true. The thing that freaked me out is that uh, Kano, who again is very funny in this, gets a lot of really good lines. He's played by, um, oh, what's his name? Josh Lawson, I guess. And I know him, uh, there's this uh, NBC sitcom called uh, Superstore, uh, which is, you know, like about workers that are like a Walmart type big box store. And he plays their pharmacist on that show, who's like this horrible, horrible person. He just hits on everybody and uh, his name's like Tate something and everybody just hates him. Um but as soon as I recognized him, I was like, whoa, it's the superstore guy. It was just it was so strange. But, you know, again, he he's funny in that show. He's he's obviously got a lot of comedic chops. Um, but it was just it was shy. I was like, whoa, I never would have picked that guy as Kano. But, you know, you put the beard on him, you scratch his face up a little bit. He looked the part. Um, 
so yes, the the acting is is eh, you know so so. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, some editing issues, just little things that if if you don't watch, if, if you just sort of watch movies, you'll probably get the feeling that something's a bit off, even if you don't necessarily know why. But a lot of it just has to do with some of those issues we've talked about. Like characters are just moving a bit too far between scenes. Eye lines aren't quite matching up. We've got a little, you know, this shot over here is kind of a little out of off kilter. Or, you know, it's it's just that kind of stuff. But it was enough over the course of the runtime that I, I kind of noticed. Um, again, it wasn't enough to take me out of the movie or make me go like, oh, this movie's trash. You know, it's not it's no cosmic sin. Um, yeah. But it was enough that I at least was aware of the issues. So were there any other, you know, sort of things about the film that we want to you know, address in that regard? Um, well, again, the the effects were lacking in some parts. I feel like a lot of the this CG that was used in wide shots, especially in Outworld, was kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe would have been better if they had gone for more practical shots if possible but i understand that involves like traveling somewhere and that's not always you can't always do that that's true um uh and also some of the character effects like goro was a little rough in parts yeah. like that fight looked really good but it that the the model was a little rough yes um and then like uh the the scenes with um nitara were a little i mean until her death scene mm. which was epic was, and made up for all yes, of it that's where they spent her, the money no doubt her harpy air show was not quite as as good as it could have been it reminded me a little bit of uh well, wonder woman actually um wonder woman 1984 Ouch. when they had that really awkward like <laughs> flying battle where it was like Ugh, yeah. some of this just it just doesn't quite look and, and it's just a when you when you make people fly around in the air, it just it it's always going to look a little bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like that effect was stretched pretty far. Um, but other than that, it wasn't anything insultingly bad, right? I mean, even the effects that were bad weren't insultingly bad. It's, and I don't think they're anything that would date the movie that would make it, you know, unbearable to watch in two years. Um, but you know, you could see, you could see where they, they were maybe running out of cash a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I think a lot of that is just budget constraints, you know, special effects and and visual effects. You're going to, you're going to spend as much money as you feel like you can. And then you're just going to take what you can get. And, and as you said, like those effects are hard for, big budget, massive productions to pull off. Like it is hard to make flying look good in a Superman movie where he just flies all the time. Exactly. And, and that's where the movies always get it wrong is that the more you show of someone in the air, the weirder it ends up looking. For sure. They, they did do the smart thing by keeping that fight relatively short. Um, but still, like if it hadn't had that that finisher with his fatality, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if he just hopped down and like kicked her in the face or something, it probably would yeah, have that, been that wouldn't have landed as much. But you know, he did cut her in half, so <laughs> that was all We're right. all right with it. Go ahead and take that one as a win. Kung Lao, you saved the day. 
Which uh, I guess we didn't really talk about the soul sucking scene. We talked about Cabal's line, but uh, that looked really good. Um, soul sucking in in the original Mortal Kombat was kind of weak. It was just you know the typical, you know, we're painting over the frame and then you know passing light Deadly through it. Green smoke yeah. everywhere. Just, it wasn't very good. You know, it's just you know smoke going into his eyeball or Dangerous something. Dangerous mist. Uh, that's right. The dangerous mist coming after us all. But this looks really good. It looks very much like when because you can use you can do that move in the game, of course. And and it looked very much like that, you know, like the the number of things that they looked to the games for direct inspiration, again, was shocking to me because when things like this get translated to film, inevitably, you've got another, you know, you've got somebody else's vision layered on top and then that trumps you know, the game, right? They say, well, I don't want it to look like that. I want it to look like this. And then that's what they do. But this one, there really was a lot of care and concern placed upon recreating at least some elements of the games very closely. And, you know, if you call it fan service, I guess that's, that's fine. But in this case, I think it helps the world also be more cohesive and hang together because all of these different powers and all of these different abilities that these characters have, there's, there's no like common well to draw from. And so the video game just leans into that and says, Oh, well, there's just all going to be strange. And, and, you know, there's not necessarily going to be like a rhyme or reason to all of this. And if the movie had tried to apply logic over the top of it, I think it just would have been a wasted effort. And so the fact that they just lean into and say, Oh, all of these powers, like again, why does Kung Lao have a hat? Why does, Kano shoot a beam out of the eye that he got scratched. It doesn't matter, right? Like it's just the thing that happens. And and I kind of like that they just went with it. And and I think it reinforces it. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up. I mean, so we've kind of walked through Mortal Kombat, the the surprise, highly enjoyable action film that uh, came out this past weekend. Um, so what do you think? Is, is this a recommend for you, Catherine? I recommend this movie. I think if you like action movies, if you like video game movies, if you like Mortal Kombat at all, or if you just know enough about Mortal Kombat that you would be able to follow Mortal Kombat references, you're going to enjoy this movie. Um, I've seen, you know, some people in my, my circle of friends say already that they didn't like it. Um, But I, I've noticed a tone to their, their criticism. It seems to be the same. And that's, again, that they wanted this movie to prove something to Hollywood about video games. Mm. And I think I've just moved beyond that. Yeah. Um, I no longer want to prove anything to Hollywood about the legitimacy of video games. They are illegitimate. They're terrible. <laughs> Don't play them. Leave them all to me. That's right. I will take them. Um, and continue to make silly video game movies because they're wonderful. Yeah, I, I I think it's just it's nice to see something that has such a clear understanding of its own identity. It just knows what it is and it's fine with that. And I appreciate that a film can have that perspective. Um, it's 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 reaching a little bit. Right. I don't want to make it sound like the movie's just sort of resting on its laurels of like, oh, you know, Mortal Kombat. We're good here. But. But it's it's reaching within reasonable ways and and hoping I mean, this really feels like some filmmakers who are crossing their fingers, hoping that this does OK so they can make the movie they actually want to make. 
And so I, I, I understand if somebody's disappointed because of that, right? Because we don't, like I said, we don't see the tournament in this. There is no Mortal Kombat in this Mortal Kombat movie in terms of the actual tournament happening. Yeah, and like we don't get a lot of Shang Song. We don't get mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of the Outworld people. We don't see like uh, 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 what was his name? Uh, Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn. Yeah, you see we a don't statue. see him. That's where he fights General Reiko. That's Shao Kahn standing mm-hmm. above him there. So like, and he's in one of the paintings or whatever. So like, his presence yeah. is there. But but is you know, he going to appear as a giant skull at the end while everybody's standing uh, around? Though is that is he? No, he's not. But I want him. <laughs> like again i this is a, a difficult film for me to to discuss rationally um i completely understand i mean it's a movie when i texted you and said watch this you said is it good and i was like no but yes does it matter because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, i mean this movie makes a lot of very classic film mistakes its script is is very weak uh it's it doesn't really have much going on in the script department it has a lot Um, of quipping and a lot of a lot of very tropey things happening um but that is movies (laughs) and and as a property that that exists at its core as a huge amalgamation of those tropey things i mean that's what brought this franchise into existence i i kind of think it's the right choice you know, I, I I think it's the right choice to just lean into those aspects of it because that's what made the visual language of Mortal Kombat so accessible to a 14-year-old like me is I knew what they were. I knew, oh, that's supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's supposed to be Bruce Lee. That's supposed to be, you know, a badass ninja from American Ninja 2 where they go to the island and they have all the colored ninjas. And and like like that 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 all made sense. Right. Like all of that was like, I know what this is, even though I just walked up to it in an arcade. Well, I mean, that was that was really that was really a a great, a great thing earlier where we were talking about this, this franchise sort of embodying the 90s because the 90s was a pastiche of a whole bunch of other pop culture things Mm -hmm. that had all, you know, joined together in this big writhing ugly mass yeah and that is what mortal Kombat and, and games like it came out of and this yeah this movie celebrates that it doesn't it doesn't try to make it anything more than what it was right and it appeals to those people and then it also appeals to the people that have gotten into the deeper connections between these characters um that have grown out of its you know 30 plus year existence where like, Oh, these characters do have this relationship and they they've had these things happen to them in the past that are now shaping what they are, you know, currently. And, and that's, this is a movie that even in in the absolute best scenario that they make it successfully, which I think they got most of the way there. It's, it was still going to be a tightrope because this is a franchise that, Honestly, I don't think you want to piss off its fans. You need no. them to show up and be excited about this. It's to advocate for you. And then if you get other folks, great. You know, you get them on board where they say, man, this is kind of cool. Awesome. I mean, like I'll, I, I re-downloaded Mortal Kombat 11 after I watched this. So like, I want to spend some more time in this, in this universe. And this seems like a good way to do it. 
And and I mean, and if that was the point, if this is just a big ass commercial to go buy our damn video game, then mission accomplished. You did it. Yeah. You know, you've got brand synergy. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I mean, it is notable that Warner Brothers owns, you know, Mortal Kombat. They are a Warner Brothers owned studio now. So like Warner Brothers just has this property so they can do whatever they want with it. But I I think it works more than it doesn't. Because it's it's fun. It's just a good time. Um, as our as our our good Twitter follow buddy Scott Wampler said, it whips all kinds of ass. It has problems, but I didn't give a fuck. And and that's really the only review you need for Mortal Kombat. It's it's really good. It has lots of issues. I mean, we could probably do a separate podcast just talking about the issues with the film. But at the end of the day, they kind of just don't matter. This will be a film that I, I will watch this again this week. I will have seen this film more than I've seen very, very good movies by the end of this week. Because it's just, it's fun. I just enjoy it. It's a good time. It's, I think I'm going to watch the 95 Mortal Kombat, mm, and then I'm going to watch the new one again. Yeah. And and I think and I'm just going to enjoy them both. There'll be some good, enjoyable synergy Again, to use that word uh, between them, and I, I think that's cool. Uh, I'm I think I'm going to use my HBO Max subscription to also watch uh, the animated Mortal Kombat Legends that came out last year. Because <laughs> yes. why not? Let's just let's just make it a Mortal Kombat weekend. It'll be great. Uh, so yes, I I think much like you, I'm going to recommend this as well, especially if you have HBO Max already. If you have HBO Max, it's sitting there, it's waiting. Just watch it. Don't watch it with kids or people with weak stomachs uh, because unless you're a bad parent and then in that case. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you don't care, it's fine. Or if your kid's like, <laughs> I enjoy seeing that monster's intestines writhing around on the ground. That sounds like a good time, dad. Um, if you're a parent of town. weird children. And I definitely am the parent of weird children. But even even my weird children, I don't think I wanted to see someone get their arms shattered in ice just yet. <laughs> Um, or sawed in half by a hat. I, I w- well, I will say this: I did actually show them the opening Hanzo part because it's just so good. Like it's so good, and it's it's a little violent, but it's really not cool. terrible. Well, your daughter likes Avatar, and like there's plenty of violence. In That's there. true. That's very true. Not a lot of blood. Yeah, we've but there's watched plenty of like beating each other oh, up. Yeah. In we've there. watched a lot of uh, a lot of you know wushu martial arts films. We watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. They can handle it. Um, now that she's fine. <laughs> But I did see my son when uh, when uh, Bihan stabs him, stabs uh, Hanzo in the stomach and then like lifts the blade up like he's just running it up his stomach. I was sitting next to my son and he kind of looked at me. He was like, ah, and he kind of like grabbed his stomach like, oh, that's terrible. So I was like, OK, this is probably enough. We don't need to watch anymore after this. And my you get the idea. And my, son was, and my son was like, Dad, whenever you say we're just going to watch the opening of something, that means we're going to watch the whole thing. I'm like, no, not in this case, buddy. In this case, we're just going to watch this part. And that's it. But it was, you know, like I said, it's, it's definitely find that balance for yourself. But it's it's a pretty good time. So in, in terms of our, our failure piece scores, I, I can't give this like a full like 90 percent or above, although I want to. But in reality, this is more like in that like 87, 88 range for me. Like it's it's very good. It's a super high B film, um, but it's it, it certainly is problematic enough that I don't want to call it like a, a perfect film. But I, I think it's it's a lot of fun if you can engage with it on the level that it is attempting to engage with you. 
I think you'll enjoy it. And if you have any connection to Mortal Kombat whatsoever, any connection to Mortal Kombat, even if it's like you played Mortal Kombat 4 Deadly Alliance in college with some friends on your your dorm floor. You know enough to follow this. You're good. Like you've got all the information you need and you can you can definitely follow along. But similarly, I put this at an 86. Mm -hmm. That was what I was feeling was it. It's. It's good. It's not great. It's not perfect. And I'm not quite at like Dune levels of nostalgia where I just can't even think clearly. Sure. Um, but yeah, 86. This is this is a good movie. It's this good. is worth your time. Yeah, it's it's a solid flick. And and the fact that it's it's not just an absolute train wreck is thrilling enough to me that I, I think it's it's worth checking out like because it shouldn't work. None of these movies should work. None Mortal Kombat itself shouldn't work. Um, I mean, they even drop the joke in here where it's like they spelled it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Is that for real? They didn't even spell it right, which was like a huge thing back in the 90s. It was like, why did they spell it with a K? It's so dumb. But it was because it was meant to be rad and K's are cooler than C's. It's just the way it works. Um. That's why, like, you should use an extra X when you spell the word extreme. <laughs> <laughs> it must have the extreme. Uh, but in any case, if people want to yell at you on the Internet for your opinions about Mortal Kombat, where can you be found? Oh, uh, you can find me at Baskinator on Twitter. Very nice. And I can be found at T Baskin on Twitter. If you have angry opinions to share, you're more than welcome to. I'd love to engage with you on social media. Uh, but you can also get us at FPS Theater on Twitter together. That's our, our shared Twitter account. And then failurepeace at gmail.com if you need us in email form. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss another cinematic failure, a train wreck of epic proportions from the history of Hollywood. Um, but uh, we hope you've enjoyed our, our discussion of a, a much more recent potential train wreck. That could have been a disaster, but instead has most definitely become something else, maybe even a failure piece in its own right. So we will see you next time. Bye bye.